welcome to the Jim Rome Show, Er, Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This is the last show for two weeks. No show next week on March 12th. I will be around. You can tweet at me. You can email me. I will be on the forum. I just won't have the time any day next week during the evening to do a show. So we're going to have to skip a week. The next show after this one will be March 19th, 2013. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. And uh, once again, even though this is the Druff and Drexel show on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, Drexel's not here. I hope he will return soon. But uh, we are going to have the same co-host we had last week, who's done a very good job in his sub-hosting duties on this site. Actually, not duties. He volunteers. And I appreciate that very much. The very talented and lovely Seriously Serious. Hello. (laughs) What is up? Hello. So uh, I want to tell everybody here, not only did the show get a late start and almost didn't exist because the sound card was dead when I tried to get it started. I have an external sound card on my computer that enables the show to broadcast. But uh, I got that working. But the show's also going to be on the shorter side. Not because I don't have much to say, but because I have a sore throat. I have a stubborn cold, and one of the things that will not go away is a sore throat, as well as the cough, and I hope not to cough in everybody's ear tonight, but uh, I actually probably would have skipped this week if it were not for the fact that I'm not going to be here next week, and I, I just didn't want to have three weeks passing in between shows. I think that's a momentum killer for any show. So I, I wanted to make sure the show went on if I was physically able to broadcast but I, I also can't sit here and talk for four hours. You can probably already hear my voice is not quite the same right now. So um, I, I'm glad to have Seriously Serious. I'm glad to have everybody listening tonight and everybody listening through our podcast system, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or uh, just directly through the site. I'm going to give you our agenda for tonight, but before I do that, I want to let everybody know we have a free roll again. Not quite as large as many other free rolls we've had here. We've had some that uh, exceeded uh, $300. We even had one free roll that exceeded $1 million. Actually, we didn't, but I I wish we did. But um, this week, we are giving away a whopping $38, which uh, could be better, but at least it's something. Whoa, is Annie Duke running this free roll? (laughs) It's something, you know, it's uh, pretty much every other poker podcast gives away absolutely nothing. So we give away something every week. I shouldn't say we, it's actually our users who give away the money. And I uh, thank them for that. We have a $38 free roll on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that by clicking at the top of the screen. It's at 7.40 Pacific Time, just 18 minutes from right now. No Limit Hold'em is the game. The prize is $18 for first, 10 for second, Five for third, five uh, five for fourth. Thank you to Dirty Ernie for once again giving $25 to the cause. Crow Diddley, $10. And Side Effect, $3. You might ask, who would give $3? Not that I don't appreciate it, but why? how would someone actually just give me $3? Well, what happened is he won 13 last week for finishing second, and he generously said, hey, just give me 10 Kick the other three back to the free roll. So great. Thank you, Side Effect. And uh, I really do appreciate your $3. I'm not trying to make fun of it. So... Uh, $38 free roll starting at 740. You have to be there before 740 or at 740 because if you're not registered before then, you won't get in. 
You also need to have a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert by May 21st, 2012. If you don't, then you will not qualify for the free money unless you email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com or PM me, Dan Space Druff, here on this site and convince me you've been listening for at least a few weeks. Tell me what you've been listening to. Tell me the things you've liked, what you haven't liked. Uh, just uh, convince me you've been around and you're not just here to get the free roll money. And I will give you a pass to qualify for this free roll and all others. Make sure you do it before you win, or otherwise, whatever you write to me won't count. I have a question. Has there been any J Serial sightings on the free rolls? Uh, you know what? I haven't checked. I, I can't say yes or no. I think that people in the chat room would know better than that. And someone in the chat room should know better. They're saying, call Scalar. I can't call Scalar. Scalar's had no phone for years. That's not possible. Call Scalar. Na- Natural born hustler of all people who's listened, I think, every single week to this show. He should know better than we can't call Scalar. Well, how do you get in touch with Scalar at all? Does he just call you from time to time and that's how you guys stay in touch? No, I can email him and I can also leave him voicemail. He just doesn't have a phone. So uh, that's a good question, though. That's what people always ask me. You know, how do you get a hold of him? And the question, <laughs> I, I just have to write to him or leave him a message, and hope he gets back to me. And uh, you know, if he calls in tonight, I haven't heard from him in a few days, so there's a chance he'll call in tonight. And if he does, I'll drop everything and put him on the show, since we don't have anything that uh, we can't stop tonight. So uh, something actually occurred this week that I want to briefly touch on. Something having to do with this site. That was the wrong video. That that means nothing to anyone, I'm sure. It was supposed to be a happy birthday song, but I blew it. I you blew it! I blew it. Let's try it again. I, I gotta wish this site a happy birthday in a better manner. This doesn't sound right either. This is terrible. I can't find a freaking happy birthday song to save my life. I think you're getting shut out by the Michael Jackson estate. <laughs> I mean, that, that is copyrighted. This isn't a happy birthday either. What is it? I'm not, I'm, I give up. I'm not going to try to search for it anymore. Okay, I was going to try to wish this site a happy birthday. I forgot to cue up the sound effect beforehand, and I'm, I, I can't have the site sung a happy birthday by someone on YouTube. I'm sorry, not even an instrumental happy birthday. But the site did have a birthday on March 3rd. We turned one. The site has been up for a full year, and I'd like to thank everybody for participating in this site for a year. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast, not for a year, because it hasn't existed for a year. We started this around May, but I'd like to thank everybody who's been listening since May. And, uh, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect when I started this site. I thought there was a chance it would be a fail site, and I'd have to take it down within a few months. Because, you know, if the site totally sucked and nobody wanted to post here and nobody wanted to listen to my radio shows, you know, I I wasn't going to keep it up and just talk to no one and and write to no one. But I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad that... uh, the site has become something, and while it's not a huge site, it has a dedicated following, both on the radio and in the forum, and uh, I'm very happy, and I appreciate all the users, and I don't just say this to sound good, I really am happy to hear from new people, I'm happy to see old people uh, that have been around for a long time on the site, I'm just, I'm just happy to have anyone participating, and I realize that 
the site would actually be nothing without users. If there's nobody here, then it's, it's useless. There's no point for me to write to myself or talk to myself. I can do that without the Internet. So uh, I really am happy everybody's here, and I always try to take suggestions from people, and I always try to uh, like understand what people like and what they dislike, and uh, I, I try to work that in. I, I don't let everybody tell me what to do constantly, but uh, I, I do realize that this is not just my thing and everybody has to listen to me, and tough luck, I don't care what you think. I, I always try to take everybody's feelings into account. That's both for the forum and uh, and, and the radio show. So, anyway, I uh, just wanted to mention that. Uh, what is you, the birthday of dandruffpoker.com? <clears throat> I don't know. You know what? I, I'm going to tell a secret. Well, it's not really a secret. A lot of people know this. I didn't register dandruffpoker.com. It, it was registered and sat unused for years by not a domain squatter, but by Brian Mikon, my former business partner. Actually, before we were even business partners, he actually did this as a favor without even telling me, when a domain squatter grabbed and still has toddwitellis.com and Mike on today, I better grab dandruffpoker.com and did and uh, sat on it for years and uh, when we split from Donk Down, one of the agreements was that uh, he would give me Dandruff Poker back. Well, not really back, but he'd give it to me. And obviously he had no use for it, so he did, and I have it now. Uh, there's really not much going on over there, but it uh, it is up. You can go to dandruffpoker.com. And yeah, I have some major complaints about that. Oh, I hope no. you'll take them into account. <laughs> okay, what are your complaints about dandruffpoker.com? Well, I would prefer a dandruffpoker.com that was not written in Notepad, for one thing. Uh, I would like to see more content. I would like... Uh... I don't know. I'll get back to you on that. But okay, I'm, yeah, I'm I, glad that you know. I'm glad that you're open and, and you care about the feelings of the users and, and their thoughts on Android. I do, and you know, I'm, I might be able to help with the content thing. Now, as far as not writing it in Notepad, which I really did, I really did write this in Notepad. If you want to go to dandruffpoker.com, I really designed the web page and produced the web page the same way I produced web pages back in 1995 when the web was very, very young. I, I really did the exact same thing, except I used Notepad instead of the uh, VI editor which I used back in 95. So uh, I, I can understand the criticism, though. It, it does have a little bit of a mid-90s look to it. So uh, here's the agenda for tonight. Um, I'm sure, seriously serious, you have heard of the 99% uh, from Occupy Wall Street. I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, that was the uh, what the protesters there referred to as everybody but the top 1% of income earners in the country. They were saying that the 99% of the population that was not the top 1% was not represented well, was uh, getting the shaft, and the 1% was getting everything. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that, but that was the point they were trying to make at Occupy Wall Street. Well, there's a new 99% that I'm going to talk about tonight. It has nothing to do with Occupy Wall Street or, or rich and poor people. Uh, it has to do with poker stars in full tilt. They occupied the Poker Players Alliance, by being 99% of their funding in 2010. Now, what's the big deal about 2010? Well, that was the last full year prior to Black Friday. So that was, uh, that's that's where the money was coming from, right before Black Friday. 99% of the money came from Poker Stars in full tilt, apparently, that uh, the Poker Players Alliance had. I will explain why that is a big deal, in my opinion, and how I feel about it. Uh, Speaking of the Poker Players Alliance, Rich the Engineer Muni has done something, he did it today, this afternoon, that I really don't appreciate. He did something 
that I very much believe was done out of spite. I'll let you guys uh, decide for yourselves. But I think just, that uh, just minutes ago he's responded. Yeah, to I that saw his response. Way. I'll read that too, and uh, and I'll explain the whole thing. I th- he did a, something that I think is very spiteful. Um, and I, I don't under- understand the reason for it. A big subject that has come out in the last few days is Daniel DeGranu being perhaps a member of a cult. Now, not quite a cult like the one like the Jim Jones cult, or, or any of these uh, dangerous, violent cults or cults where the uh, Members are in physical danger, but uh, in, in kind of like a scam sort of cult. There's a lot of different opinions on this, ranging from doesn't matter, everything looks fine, to yeah, wow, this is this is pretty stupid, and, and uh, he shouldn't be promoting this thing. So uh, I'll talk about that, give my opinion. Some of you, uh, actually most of you don't remember this, at least uh, you didn't live through it, unless you're pretty old. Uh there was a thing we called separate but e- equal uh, back in the uh, pre-civil rights days in this country. Separate but equal made it to where uh, black people were able to do the same things as white people, but they couldn't uh, do it together. So uh, they'd have to drink from different drinking fountains, for example. And, of course, that was uh, outlawed many years ago during the civil rights movements and uh, we don't have anything like that anymore. Those but, are the Jim Crow laws, right? Yeah, so, no, I, actually it wasn't, but uh, it, that doesn't really matter. I don't want to give a history lesson here. But okay. um, separate but unequal is going on these days in online poker. It's a very hot new concept. Started by party poker and now uh, lock poker, always the uh, original there. They they pretty much copy party and both sites are now segregating good players from bad ones where, where the good players are not allowed to play the fish on the site anymore. In fact, in many cases they can't even see them. So I'll talk about that. We talked about it a little bit last week and to talk about revolution slash lock doing the same thing or a little bit different version of it and calling it uh, fair play technology of all things and uh, definitely separate, but unequal for all players. Um, speaking of a poker network that isn't in very good shape, it actually makes the Revolution Network look uh, like it's on solid ground. The Everleaf Network, which hasn't been paying anyone for a long time. A Minted Poker is a big site on the Everleaf Network, at least by Everleaf Network standards. And they are actually now turning against their own network, and they have advised all their players to get their funds the hell off their own site. I've never seen that one before, where a poker site emails its players and says, hey, withdraw from our site, get your money off here. That actually happened, I'll explain why. Poker Stars, remember you heard how they were trying to purchase a New Jersey casino called the Atlantic Club Casino? It's a struggling casino in New Jersey. The reason Poker Stars wants to get in that business is yeah. to have a license to operate a casino in New Jersey, and therefore they can get a license, maybe, to operate online poker within that state where, where online poker should be legalized rather shortly. Well, the American Gaming Association, which is a, uh, a group that uh, has membership of pretty much all the major casinos and and even some online uh, gambling software companies. They are objecting to the whole thing. They're trying to block PokerStars from buying that casino and trying to block PokerStars from uh, getting a license to run it. We'll talk about that. We do have a phone number you can call in. Two phone numbers, actually. The main number is 775 
fraud fifty five area code seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Also, you can call our Mount Charleston number. The snow is melting on Mount Charleston. Um, there's actually now like an ice waterfall up there. It's pretty cool where you can see uh, ice dripping and kind of creating a little waterfall uh, because the snow is melting up there, what little there is. There's also a phone on top of Mount Charleston that forwards over here to my secret location. So if you want to call a 702 number, you can call the Mount Charleston phone. 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808, that's our Mount Charleston line. In both cases, please show your caller ID or dial star 82 beforehand so I can see that you are a legitimate caller and not a prank caller. All right, so uh, that's our agenda for the evening. The show will be probably shorter than usual due to uh, my sore throat. You can probably already hear my congestion. These User days. Fluffer is something of a health expert. He might have some suggestions on how you can take care of that sore throat. He might. He might. I'm uh, afraid to take them. Well, we have a call. What the hell? I'll take it. We'll just kick off with a call. Get in the free roll if you register or register right now because uh, four minutes away. Caller, you're on the air. Hello? Yeah, hello. Call hi. Up. This is Handicap Me. Yeah, hi. Hi. So I was just wondering if you guys were going to discuss uh, Vegas 13, whatever, being scanned by 4 408 Mike. I I know you're interested in this subject. I know a lot of the forum people are. Um, Unfortunately, I I haven't, uh, I haven't had time with all the radio preparation today to follow that whole thing as much as I should to be able to talk about it. So I will be making a statement on, um, on the site pretty soon about how I feel about the whole thing. But uh, I'm sorry. I, I can't really talk about it tonight. I don't, I haven't, read everything, and I, I can't uh, make an educated statement about it at this point. No, that's fine. Um, also, I think you put a seriously serious on hold, and he's quite upset, so I'll oh, hang up boy. now, and you guys I did. Can get back to talking. I did. I messed up. Okay, thank you. No, it's all right. Have a good night. Thank Have you. Good night. Now, how do I get this damn thing off? Here we are. Ser- uh, seriously serious. I'm so sorry I put you on hold. What? What the hell, man? I'm sorry. It was an epic phone call, too. You would have loved to have been part of it. Oh, man. What happened? Well, in the meantime, uh, while you were off the line, I was able to uh, contact some of my sources while pretending to care about what uh, Handicap Me was saying. No, I'm just kidding. I I care about all our phone callers. But I did have a source, an anonymous source, uh, let me know something. I don't know if this is accurate or true, but I feel I should report it. Some of you might remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about Barry Greenstein's accusation that someone was cheating him in this uh, new Chinese po- open-faced Chinese poker app. And uh, Barry would not name the individual. It was clear that it was somebody who was known in poker, but he would not name the individual. Well, I have heard through the grapevine who that individual is. And it actually surprises me. And I'm going to tell everybody. I don't know if this is accurate. I, I'm sorry to this individual I'm about to name if uh, it turns out this is not true. This is 
just an allegation from a source I consider pretty reliable. But again, those sources can be wrong sometimes. This is only an allegation by a third party that I'm reporting through this show. This is uh, not my allegation, and I'm not saying it's true, and I'm not saying it's false. And I just heard it right now. So, I heard it through the grapevine. And uh, I'm going to let everybody know who this individual is. So, who is it that cheated poor Barry Greenstein? A man down on his luck. He has a son who's crushing hella grapes up in Northern California instead of playing poker. He lost a lot of his fortune. He used to have so much money that he could give away tons of money to children's charities and then he got into such a position that he was actually borrowing money from Full Tilt Poker, the competition to poker stars that he represents, just to keep himself in action. Who would do this to poor Barry, who definitely needs every penny right now? Well, I've been told that it was none other than big tournament winner Sean Deeb. I don't know if it's true. But that's what I'm being told by a reliable source, that Sean Deeb is the one that Barry Greenstein suspects was cheating him on the open-faced Chinese poker app. I find that very hard to believe. Well, it can be true and not true at the same time if Sean Deeb actually uh, was the one playing Barry but was actually innocent. That maybe Barry was just losing and finding excuses to, uh, uh, you know, to justify why he was losing so much. And maybe it's, you know, it was definitely true you could cheat through the app, and maybe maybe it was that you could cheat, Sean Deeb wasn't cheating, which is better, and that Barry, knowing that it could be cheated, figured he had to be being cheated. I mean, I guess it, it could be uh, it could be that. So there's a lot of ways it could go. But that's what I've heard, is that uh, it was Sean Deeb on the other end. That's the one Barry at least suspects of cheating him through the open-faced Chinese poker app. So that's what I heard through the grapevine. Take it for what you will. I would have to think that if he was reasonably certain that he was being cheated, that he would have gone ahead and just mentioned the name. There's no reason not to. Yeah, I never understood why he didn't mention the name. But maybe he was afraid that person would come out and you know totally trash him and just say, you know, I wasn't cheating, you just suck. And maybe maybe he didn't want like a whole forum fight. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it was definitely possible to cheat on that app, that's for sure. Uh, the question is, was Barry's opponent actually cheating? Or uh, was this just uh, Barry figuring that's what must be happening because he was losing, when in reality his opponent was innocent? But that's supposedly who that opponent was. This is the open face Chinese poker app where people were... It, it's not an online gambling app, it's just a, a regular app where you play for fun and, and people just bet on the side. A few weeks ago we talked about Barry Greenstein... Uh, making an accusation through the PokerStars blog that uh, one of the players he was going up against was just winning way too much and that he feels that person was cheating. I don't know much about open-faced Chinese. I've never played open-faced Chinese, but my understanding is that there's a decent element of skill in the game, right? There, There is. There's a lot of skill. Okay, and I know that Sean Deep has played a lot of open-faced Chinese. He's crazy about that game. Yeah, a lot and... of people in poker are. It's like the, the hottest thing right now. Yeah, and... and uh... In, in Barry's blog, apologies for interrupting, but in his blog he states that uh, he was very new to the game. So, you know, he was kind of a fish. So why would Sean Deeb even really need the cheat? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's 
Barry did concede that the person he was playing might be better than him. He just felt that the person seemed to know what was coming way too much. But on the other hand, Sean Deeb is a, a crazy gambler. So it's very possible that Sean Deeb was just uh, playing in a uh, gambly sort of style and was probably very good at it too, and that it just ran really well. And uh, if there's one thing Sean Deeb is good at, is running really well. I mean, he's a great player, but I mean, this guy also runs great. Anyway, uh, the, the person who told me, though, they said that they are 100% sure that that was who Barry was talking about. He may or may not have been guilty, but that's who Barry was talking about. That's what this person uh, who informed me told me. So, uh, interesting. Uh, just got a question in the chat. Um, Druff, do you have any inside info when Drexel's coming back? I don't, but I can tell you that it will be whenever the Jacep situation either you know either concludes or has kind of gone away for a little while. That's when it'll come back. Take another phone call. Call you're on the air. Hello. Hello, one step. What would you like? Uh what would I like? Uh um I'd like if we can talk a little bit more about uh, poker. We just were talking about poker. Uh, can we talk about how there has still hasn't been a picture of Tom Thorne's penis? Uh, no. Thank you for the call. All right, so uh, let's move on to the uh, subjects we have on our agenda. Otherwise, I'll really end up talking four hours tonight and my throat will hate me for it. Want to first get to the thing with Rich Muni, the engineer, who might or might not be listening, but he did respond to the thread I created about it, and um, I, 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 it really bothers me what happens here. Even though it's it's not a big deal, and it doesn't really hurt me very much. It's just something I think was really crappy, and uh, he gave an answer as to uh, his side of the story, but I don't believe him. But I'll let you guys decide what you think. Now, as most of you know, I had uh, Rich, a.k.a. the engineer, Muni, on uh, Poker Fraudulent Radio two weeks ago. We had a three-hour debate regarding the Poker Players Alliance, which he is the vice president of. Uh, I was pretty much anti-PPA. He was obviously pro-PPA. Uh, the conversation did become contentious at times, but I treated him very respectfully. I let him have far more speaking time than I did. He made long speeches there that I, I didn't interrupt for long periods of time. Overall, he spoke far more than I did during the debate. And even at the end, despite that, I gave him the opportunity to make a, a long statement on behalf of the PPA that I said I would not respond to. So he got to even make a final statement. Uh, he was happy with the debate. He posted a link to it Afterwards on 2 plus 2 Now a lot has actually happened Regarding the PPA since then Even though it's just been two weeks uh, Not really because of the debate But uh, just unrelated uh, Two things have come out First of all Haley Hintz Who's a very good uh, Poker investigative journalist But also is known to be someone Who has a bit of a temper And uh, gets into Arguments with people rather easily but I really like her, and I think she's a great reporter. Um, she and PPA director John Pappas have had uh, some words in the past, including the recent past. 
So they already had some bad blood. And she wrote an article very recently, which she actually wrote the article after this debate. The article was accusing John Pappas, the director of the PPA, of helping lobby for payment processor Sun First. That's the same bank that was at the center of the Black Friday bus. They were the ones that were <coughs> knowingly processing poker transactions for Full Tilt and Poker Stars and uh, led to Black Friday. Uh, the thing that Haley published was that uh, John Pappas was actually helping lobby Utah lawmakers, uh, specifically the attorney generals over there, to uh, give SunFirst a favorable legal status in Utah, and therefore, you know, if, if they're... Uh, if the federal government ever started investigating Sun First or tried to come down on them, it would they'd have a better defense that, hey, you know, Utah said this was okay, so we thought it was fine. So uh some controversy came up, uh, mostly on two plus two, a little bit on this site also, as to whether or not the PPA should have gotten involved in poker payment processing issues for full tilt and poker stars before Black Friday. Like why were they getting involved in this? Their the PPA's mission was supposed to get laws passed to make online poker legal in the U.S., not to help poker stars in full tilt process payments or, or, or to make a bank that's uh, assisting the processing payments uh, um, less illegal and, and make it so that's a, a more stable payment processor. Uh, that just wasn't really their function. That's what someone working for poker stars or full tilt would be doing, not an independent grassroots organization like the Poker Players Alliance. That was Haley's point in her article. And she cited a lot of evidence that uh, convinced me that this was true. Uh, the PPA has denied this, but uh, I, I personally believe it was true. Um, then this further led to a discussion in the same thread where a user posted apparently accurate information that the PPA was funded 99% by the online poker sites, probably you know, Full Tilt and Poker Stars, in 2010. That meant that the member dues comprised 1% of their entire revenue. They got 5 point something million from the online poker sites in 2010. They got 50,000 from the members in 2010. Now, take away the online poker site money, the whole organization has 50,000 bucks to spend. You can't lobby with $50,000. You'll be laughed out of Washington with $50,000 to lobby with. So, um, the question is... And the question that was proposed in this 2 plus 2 thread was, uh, is this right or wrong? Uh, is, is the Poker Players Alliance really representing the players' interests if 99% of their funding comes from the online poker sites? It would seem that if 99% of their funding comes from the poker sites, that the PPA is representing their interests and not the player interests, unless those interests happen to coincide in some areas. So there was a lot of debate about that. Some people felt one way, some people felt another, some people were in the middle. You know, the typical 2 plus 2 debate. But the thing I'm discussing right now, before we get into the whole 99% thing, is that I have a fake account on 2 plus 2. Why do I have a fake account there? Because my real account, Dan Druff, was banned back in 2008 by Mason Malmuth simply because I was associated with a site called Never Win Poker. Uh, Why was he so mad about this? The reason he was so mad about this, and I have a call coming in, I'll take this in a second, but uh, I'm going to finish what I'm talking about. So caller, you can call back whoever you are. The reason I was so... Uh, the reason I was banned from Never One Poker, uh, for, from 2 Plus 2 because of Never One Poker was because some embarrassing stuff came out about David Skolansky, who's one of the major authors 
for uh, 2 plus 2 publishing. And uh, it made Skolansky look really bad and never went poker. Posted about a lot of this stuff. And interestingly, the most scandalous stuff that was posted was stuff that Skolansky himself posted on 2 plus 2. But then Mason shut him down. Skolansky admitted on 2 plus 2 that he had a 23-year-old mentally challenged girlfriend who, who was inbred that was living with him. And uh, that created a, a big brouhaha in 2 plus 2. People saying David Skolansky's taking advantage of a mentally handicapped girl for his own perversions, blah, blah, blah. And um, Skolansky posted this at the time because... He was afraid it would be brought on on Everyone Poker anyway because uh, Brandy Hawbaker had, had uh, a falling out with him and uh, was now talking to Mike on of Everyone Poker. So it was going to be revealed pretty soon anyway, so David figured, hey, I better reveal it myself. So Mason got Skolansky to shut down his own conversation about this whole matter on Everyone uh, on 2 Plus 2, saying, hey, you know, quit talking about this, it's making us look bad. But obviously he could not censor the discussion of it over on a different site, and everyone poker. And he was very mad about that, and for that reason Mason Malmuth banned any all the principles of Neverwin Poker. That was Brian Mycon, that was me, that was Brandon Gerson, Drexley, you know, our co host here, and I think even Dustin Neverwin Wolf got banned, even though he never posted on his own site. So, um, I've been banned since 2008 for that reason. I didn't even do any of this. Uh, it was actually Mike on posting all this stuff, but uh, I was banned, guilt by association, and Mason admitted that I'd broken no rules on 2 plus 2, and there were a number of users there rallying from my reinstatement, but uh, Mason didn't care and said I would only be allowed back on 2 plus 2 if I disassociated myself from Neverwin Poker and made a public statement that I had done so. I didn't know this is why you were banned from 2 plus 2. This is all news to me. Really? I wonder, I wonder if I have anything to be concerned about for associating with you. Because I, <laughs> I, enjoy, uh, I enjoy both communities. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't want to get banned from either one. Uh, I didn't even think of that, but yeah. Um, anyway, um, I, so I was banned, and uh, it's been that way since. And even though I'm now disassociated with Neverwin Poker and its uh, successor site, Donkdown, and it's been about a year and a half since then, I, I never attempted to take Mason up on the offer... Uh, from back in 2008 because I, I figured there's no way he would do it. Since then, he's really come to hate me and uh, I can't ever see him letting me back on his site. If he would, you know, great, but uh, I, I don't see that happening. So I, I didn't even want to go to him and say, hey, let me back on and have him say no and get satisfaction. So you made a dupe. So I made, I made a dupe account. Now, what did I do with this dupe? Was I harassing the site? Was I uh, cock-bombing it? Was I trolling? No. I was actually a good user over there. I, I didn't post all that much, but when I did post, I posted intelligent things. I, I contributed to whatever serious discussions were going on if the subject interested me. I, I didn't just like, I, I wasn't a regular poster there, but if there was a subject I really cared about, like lock poker, for example, uh, also the PPA, I posted a lot about that, I, I would participate in those discussions. And uh, I'd be sometimes combative with um, people that uh, were on the other side of, of what I was discussing. But I was never trolling, I was never disrespectful, I, I was never breaking any rules, I followed every single 2 plus 2 rule. And a lot of people actually knew it was me, because I didn't do a lot to hide that it was me. I never said, hey, this is Dan Druff. If I did that, I would have been banned a long time ago. But I figured it out weeks ago. Yeah, but seriously, Sirius figured it out. It wasn't hard to figure out, because I talked about the same things and used a lot of the same language over there, as I do here on Poker Fraud Alert, and as I did on Donk Down. So, it was not hard to figure out 
who that account really was if you read both sites. But everybody kind of understood what was going on there. They said, hey, you know, Drep's not causing any trouble. Why should we out him? Why should we snitch on him? You know, he's trying to post good things here. He's trying to call out sites like Lock Poker that are shady on a, and getting a bigger audience on 2 Plus 2 because 2 Plus 2 is a big site. They have a lot bigger of an audience than this site does. So I, I want to reach a lot of people sometimes with things I feel are important to discuss. So that's, uh, as I said, I was not a regular poster over there, but uh, this was an account I had since November of 2009. There were even mods over there who knew who I was and didn't say anything. Uh, even, uh, would you believe, Eric Lynch, Risen, who's the manager of Lock Poker, who I, I would think really must dislike me from uh, all the stuff I've said about Lock, even though it's deserved. Even he knew who I was and didn't out me. He once said, hey, I know who you are, and blah, 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 but he didn't ever say, hey, you're Dan Druff. Never. Because you know, at least he had enough class not to be a snitch. Well, recently I've been making a big deal under that fake account on 2 Plus 2 about the PPA's uh, 99% funding situation that I just discussed. Now, I was not being a jerk about it. I was being respectful and mature. I was discussing my points. I was never making personal attacks or trolling people. But I, I guess this finally got under Rich Muni's skin. And he posted this message a few hours ago. This is in response to uh, you know a message I had posted to him. And again, I wasn't it wasn't a big secret who I was, but Mason didn't know, and and uh, nobody was ever posting who I was out of respect for me, out of you know just not being a snitch, even if they didn't have respect for me. But this is what he wrote: Druff, comma. Like I told you in our debate, PPA has over one million members. We have an active base who are dedicated to standing up for our rights against those who'd ban this. I'm proud to be a part of it. Blah blah blah. The rest of the message is not important. It was a short message. The important thing is the very first word: Druff, comma. Uh, Rich says that he just figured this out like the rest of us did, and I believe him. I, I believe that, too. I, I believe that he did not know, because I've debated him before on 2 Plus 2 using this account, and he never called me Druff. I don't think he knew. But I, I think he, he put it together, which isn't that hard to do, um, You know, because he's started reading this forum since he was on this show. He put it together, and he knew I was banned there, because I, I not only is he an observant guy, but he... Uh, I discussed this with him two weeks ago on the show. I mentioned a few times I was banned on 2 Plus 2. So he knew I was banned, and he addressed me as Druff, comma. Now that's very important, because if you look at all of his other posts in that thread, to all the different people talking about the PPA, all the different people addressing him, <coughs> sorry, he never addressed anybody else by their name or screen name. He never, like for example, uh, this guy uh, T.A. Miller was talking to him a lot. I never saw him write T.A. Miller, comma, and start talking to him. No. Only to me did he put Druff, comma. So why start out the message Druff, comma, after quoting the message I posted and, and clearly showing which account he's answering? Well, he says that it's relevant to the context of the conversation because you did have this three-hour debate recently. So, so this is what he wrote uh, on Poker Fraud Alert. Um... Let me uh, find his first post about this. Druff. <laughs> he put it the same way on this site. <laughs> Druff, comma. I'm an MVG mod. That's uh, the name of the forum on 2 Plus 2 that we were posting on. If I were a snake, I'd have either banned you myself without you knowing it, 
or I'd have PM'd another mod behind your back. It was obviously you. I had no tools to identify you beyond your words. For purposes of the discussion in that thread, your background mattered, so I mentioned you by name. I don't believe you'll be banned as you've not violated any 2 plus 2 rules under that handle. Of course, I've never violated 2 plus 2 rules under any handle. Um, so, then he said, he said, well, he didn't have to, and then he, responding to you seriously, serious, he said, I didn't have to admit that it was me, just because he said that. So, um... You didn't? You could have, <laughs> you could have denied it. Um, I could have denied I, it, but it, it, it wouldn't have really served any purpose. It wouldn't have served it, any purpose. If, if, if the engineer posts out there that that's rough, I'm sure Mason's just going to ban the person. Like, if Mason, I'm sure Mason's going to believe it when he sees it. I don't think he's going to think that, uh, that Rich is lying about it. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to lie to everybody either. I don't want to go out and go, no, 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 I'm not druff. I, yeah, I don't want to do that. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to be dishonest with everybody. I, I didn't feel need to say who I was and get banned. Otherwise, I'd be happy to say who I was. I wasn't trying to hide. I was only trying to hide from Mason. But, um... Uh... It, it's, uh... So he posted on, on this site also... If I came here under a fake name, referring to here, Poker Fraudler, and argued pro-PPA stuff, I'd be called out in a heartbeat. So then someone very accurately point out, that's not the same thing, because he's not banned here. You know, he, I, I, he's not banned on the site. He won't be banned on this site. I wasn't doing it to hide, and he knew it. He knew I was only doing it because I was the only way I could post there without being banned by Mason. So, I mean, when he puts Druff, comma, that really looks like a very passive-aggressive attempt to get me banned, to get back at me for continuously questioning the PPA and their actions and their motives and everything else. I, th- I think it got on his nerves, and he just said, you know what, he's not even supposed to be here, screw him. But, you know, if he comes out and says, hey, everybody, that's Dan Druff, Mason, ban him. He'll look like a total asshole. He'll look like a snitch. He'll look like he's being vindictive and bitter. So he can't do that. I mean, he can, but it would look terrible. And um, if he were to go behind my back and uh, and just tell Mason, uh, yes, that would get me banned, but then I would just think that Mason figured it out on his own. Or, may, or maybe just someone else told Mason. Maybe one of the many people who's known for years told Mason. But this way I know who did it, and this way he has plausible deniability, so he thinks, after doing this. This is a very, very passive-aggressive thing to do. I can't prove it, but... Uh, I find it very suspicious that knowing that I'm a banned user there, that he would address me by Druff, comma, and make it clear which account he's talking to. And it's not even like he said, hey, everybody, this account is Dan Druff. This is why he's saying this. This is why Dan Druff feels this way. Here's some background. We just had a debate two weeks ago. He didn't say that. He just put Druff, comma. Now, some of you might be wondering, well, how do you know Mason's going to see it? Two plus two is a huge site. Well, Mason's been very active in that thread. Mason's been posting a lot in that particular thread, mainly about Haley Hints. So he knew Mason would see it, and I can't prove this, but it, it just really doesn't sit well with me. And I knew he would deny it. I knew he wouldn't come out and say, yeah, yeah, I was a snake in the grass. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I was trying to get you banned. Yeah, sorry about that. I, I was a jerk. I knew he wasn't going to say that. Uh, I mean, during our debate, he wouldn't even admit that uh, that one poll he posted was a loaded question. He, he wouldn't even own up to what percentage the poker sites were contributing to the PPA back in 2010. I asked him that, and he wouldn't give an answer. He said it was the majority, but he wouldn't get more specific than that. 
Now, I don't know if he knew the number 99%, but I, he must have known it was somewhere near there. And he purposely didn't answer. So this, this is no one who ever wants to answer in a way that ever admits he's wrong. And uh, regardless of who you may have agreed with during the debate, regardless of uh, whose points you agreed with, I think hearing that debate, you'll know that he would never once admit to being wrong with anything at any point. Nor will you find him admitting to this anywhere on 2 Plus 2. So I knew that uh, Rich would not own up to the passive-aggressive snitching job he did on me. And that's exactly why he did it that way. That's why he didn't just directly say, Hey, everyone, this is Druff. He should be banned. That's why he didn't go to Mason behind my back and uh, have me never know who did it. That's why... um, he didn't go about it in a way to where I could prove his intent. You're both saying that that would have been a snaky thing to do, but I actually think that would have been a perfectly reasonable course of action to just, you know, recognize that a banned user is using a, a dupe account and just point it out to a moderator and say, hey, he's not supposed to be here. Maybe let's take care of that. I, I see nothing wrong with doing that. Well, that's that's a good point you're bringing up, and I want to answer that because I was actually going to bring that up too. Uh Rich is actually a moderator on 2 Plus 2. He's a green moderator. And uh, I'm not going to start commenting on exactly what his duties are there because I don't know for sure. But I believe that he is somebody who has... uh, who's mainly just a moderator to moderate his own local forum about the PPA. Now, he probably has access to do things that all mods can do, maybe like check IPs or... Or edit posts. I can't say this for sure, but I have to. Uh, well, my my understanding on two plus two is that the green moderators usually uh, oversee certain forums. For example, a mod in NVG might have no authority to do anything in small stakes pot limit holdem okay. in in that forum. Yeah. And Rich says that he's a moderator of NVG, so he he would have the power to. Um, and furthermore, all green mods can ban any and all users. I believe, to my to my knowledge. Yeah. Well. Um, yes, he could have banned me himself, maybe. Um, he definitely could have gone to Mason. Uh, I would have questioned it less if he went to Mason, so I, I, don't, I still don't really think it's his business. If he was good buddies with Mason, it's not like uh, that professional poker guy who's, who's very high up on the 2 plus 2 chain as a blue mod there caught it. I mean, I'd expect him to do it. I'd expect Skolansky to do it. But um, I, I don't believe that uh, Rich is particularly close to Mason and really needs to be that loyal. As I said, there's other mods there that know who I am and don't out this just because it's a dick thing to do and I'm not causing any trouble there. If anything, I'm adding to the content of that site because I'm posting intelligent messages there. I'm not trolling. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not detracting from the forum with my presence there. But, uh, yes, that would be a little bit better, at least if he just went and told Mason and his excuse was, hey, I didn't want to, but that's part of my job. And I pledge loyalty to 2 plus 2 and its rules. And even, you know whether or not I agree with your ban, I, I have to uphold them. I still would think that's crappy, but it wouldn't be as bad. But this was like doing it without doing it. This is doing it without having to take credit for doing it. And that's what bothers me, and I can never prove it. But I have something else I want to t- talk about that's not related, but that just came in over the wire. Sean Deeb, who's never been on this show before in any incarnation, 
has tweeted at me, and he's welcome to call in. In fact, I wonder if that's the guy calling in. Like, there's a guy hammering me from the 518 area code. Maybe I'll try to call that person back. Tweeted at me, Todd would tell us how about you stop slandering me when your claims are impossible. Impossible, he says. Well, Sean, as I said when I started to make the statement about you, I wasn't trying to slander you. Um, I was reporting what was being reported to me. And um, I'm really sorry if you're being falsely accused here. It's more like gossiping, really. Just, it is more is like gossiping. And I something put, you heard and you're just kind of repeating it, but you're not sure if it's true. And I tried to put as many disclaimers. Hello? Yeah, hang on a second, caller. <coughs> sorry, but coughing your ear, too. Uh, I'm trying to put as many no, disclaimers. I'm, hold on. You've been talking about me, so I would like to interrupt. This is Sean D, by the way. Okay, well, Sean D, welcome to the show. Look, I'm sorry that uh, I, I had to bring this up like this, and I have nothing against you. I, I don't even really know you. I know of you. I know you're a very good player. I don't know much more. Uh, but um, th- this was what I was told by someone who every piece of information this person's ever given me in the past um, has been true, and this is not someone who has an axe to grind with you. So that that's why I repeated it at all. Well, um, I don't, first off, I don't know what you said. All I know is someone called me and said you said that Barry, I cheated Barry on the app, which is probably the funniest thing I've ever heard because me and Barry have played zero hands on the app. Um, Barry will confirm this. Barry even stopped the suspicion because I'm one of the biggest winners on the app. Confirming, like, because I'll play anyone on OpenFace live as big as they want. Everyone knows that. So, I mean, to think that I'm cheating is probably one of the most ridiculous things. That so, so, you, so you've never played against Barry, though. You know, you've played a ton of people on that app. You never played against him. Yeah, Bar- Barry's always denied me action. All right. Well, um, you know, if that's true, then I, I'm very sorry for even putting your name out there that way. Uh, as I said at the beginning, sometimes I get info that even if it comes from a good source, is incorrect. I mean. Do you guys understand you could easily find a way to contact me to talk instead of straight up slandering someone with no prior knowledge of one source? I well, mean, then that's why I gave a disclaimer, I and, and I, apo- I apologize for this. And I, I, I didn't mean to uh, you know, trash your name here, and I even tried to say that even if you did play Barry, that didn't mean you were cheating him. That just meant that Barry felt that the person he was playing was cheating him, but that doesn't mean he's right. I mean, people have been saying this about online poker forever, all being cheated here, being cheated there, and they're really not as good or they're not running as well. So, uh... Well, I mean, I'm one of the first people very call when the situation happened because he knew I was very familiar with that. And the num- the rate that Barry was losing at was so much higher than anything. I've played like ten to 15,000 hands open based on the app. So, I mean, considering I would have probably seen some variation of... Um, Variance to be as large as the numbers he's been losing in the sample size. That was clearly when I said new, as well as I have been hearing any stories that something had to be up because that was like a pot ripper type, um, so far off the norm that it had to be cheated. So that's just what I know. So, so, so you feel he was being cheated, but the person he was playing was not you. Is that that what the uh, you're trying to tell us here? Yes. Okay. I mean, and, that's and that's very possible. That's I, I have no information other than what I was told, and I I don't. I, I know the you source, but I don't have any... Feel free to contact me if they have any questions, because I really would prefer no one to be going behind the back and saying anything about me, because, I mean, I know that I was assumed to be the person who people were talking about. I understand that it would make sense, just because that's an offer to play everyone in the app all the time. But, yeah, it's clearly not me um, that ever played Barry. I've never cheated anyone on the app, and I still play anyone live or 
on the app for any amount of money. So. Yeah, I mean, I will say, when I heard this, I was surprised, because I know you've been very successful in poker. You, you even won a million-dollar tournament last year. And um, I know you're not someone who, who I believe needs the money, and I've never no, heard I, any... I think I mean, he's a reason. Wait, hang on a second. Your sound is having a lot of trouble. Hang on, your your sound's having a lot of trouble here. I'm having a real hard time understanding you as are uh, people in the chat room. But uh, yeah, so I don't think whether my success in the previous year has any dictation of whether I'm going to cheat or not. I mean, if I was completely broke, I would assume I'm just as ethical with lots of money. I mean, that's kind of character, and that's one of the things I pride myself on is I've always had a strong reputation in poker, and if anything, I've caught more cheaters than almost everyone and exposed them, and that was part of plenty of scandals. So, yeah. So, okay, I'm, you don't look... Uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you called in to clear your name. Um, it's very possible the source was completely wrong, and, um, and and I will say I've never heard anything about you having anything to do with cheating in, in all the things that I've heard about you. So, uh, uh, as I said at the very beginning when I announced this... Uh, if if I repeated something that was not true, even just you know that you simply weren't playing him at all and that the whole thing was wrong, then I, I'm sorry and I and I have nothing against you, and I never have and um, yeah you know. I mean obviously I realize I'm just as I didn't play Barry I know it's in some people's there's a percentage here but I mean that's obviously uh, just random thing I mean I didn't cheat I can don't know how to prove I didn't cheat but I mean the fact that Barry's article and who's sitting on cheetah bag, there's zero percent chance thousand percent of time that that was me because Barry and we said you're too good Sean I'd never play it. So I, I have I have one unrelated question. I have mentioned you one other time on the show recently. Um when there was discussion about uh, the ladies event this year being ten K and there was some discussion on this show as to who who would ever even play that now being ten times the buy in uh, you know for males and I said, you know, I, I don't think he'll do it. He would do it at this point, but uh, I know someone who has the money, and and if he wanted to just make a statement, might actually be willing to do it. Would be Sean Deeb. Do you have any plans to play that event this year? No, not at all. Unless I get thirty thousand starting, then maybe. <laughs> so, so you don't you don't really have the objection to playing as far as uh, that it's a ladies' event. You just uh, you wouldn't want to put ten k into uh, and have nine thousand of it wasted, you know, buy-in wise. Exactly. It's kind of scary money, and I try not to All right. Well, yeah, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest here. I, I actually wanted to have you on the show at some point, uh, but uh, I... Well, really... you got here with me talking ridiculous things and me getting phone calls from people, like, friend and friend calling to get a hold of me to basically, like, that's ridiculous. There's no way that's true, so... Okay, well, that, I, mean, I, 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 I guess it made it happen. I, I really didn't want it to be that way, but uh, I guess it happened. Well, you know, thank you for calling in uh, and and defending yourself. And that's that's always on this site. I've always said anybody who wants to defend themselves to any kind of allegations, whether it's from me or anybody else, is always welcome here. I want every point of view to be uh, presented here. And um, you know, try to contact the person ahead of time. I mean, if you called me or had anyone contact me we're taking three seconds or even try to get hold of Barry in three seconds and it would have been immediately discussed. And people have asked Barry if it was me and he shot them down every time. So okay, well, uh, I'll... Uh, any whatsoever, it would have stopped immediately. Well, okay, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been stated now and, uh, you know, I, I just, I was reporting a piece of gossip that was given to me on the fly and, uh, you know, sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. I, tr- I tried to put in a disclaimer that... Uh, 
that this isn't necessarily the truth. This is just what I heard and uh, tried to cover it from all angles. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you called in to uh, give your side. All right. I'm honest. All right. Thank you, Sean. Well, it's, uh, didn't expect to get a call from Sean D, but you never know. I knew it wasn't true. I knew it. I knew it. Say it ain't so, Sean. You know, um, I think that uh, I, I'm going to be rooting for Sean Deeb to win again this year so he can buy a new phone. That that phone definitely had some issues. I, I thought you were, I thought you were ribbing him a little bit when you uh, when you asked him about the ladies event. But I guess he doesn't really have any qualms about doing that sort of no, thing. No, I was if, serious. Under actually, the right circumstances. I, 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 the thing is, this is a guy who, who is always willing to gamble. And... Um, I, I could actually see him. I was trying to think who would do this. Who who like who has the money, and who actually I could see doing this just to kind of make a statement. And and I just thought of Sean D, but I was like, no, he probably won't at this point. You know, he's a, he's more of a, a mainstream player now than he was when he did it the first time. But it turns out that's not the reason. The reason is just that uh, <laughs> the value is not there. Well, he didn't. The, the the one time he did it, he didn't just do it for laughs or to be a dick. I think he just lost a bet, didn't he? I, I don't know. I don't know the reason he did it. But he did dress in drag. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that was a little aside I did not expect on this show. Uh, he was hammering the phone. He was calling over and over. He really wanted to get that out. Um, it sounds like a it sounds like a new strategy to get guests on the show, high profile guests. Just you know, just make things up and <laughs> and get them angry, and they'll just the, the phones will just start ringing off the hook. Yeah. You know what's too bad is is that. Uh, um, he would not come on Donktown Radio because he didn't like one of the other hosts. And um, there were actually people who stayed off the show because I was one of the hosts. But it, but he was actually one who stayed off because of one of the other hosts and didn't have a problem with me. I have a, I have a feeling he has a problem with me now. But uh, so be it. Not the first time I pissed off someone in poker. You're just kind of you're causing all kinds of trouble here, Todd. I am. I, I think like he he and uh, Sorrel Mizzy are going to get together and find me in an alley somewhere. Oh, you know, when, when, when you were making your announcement about uh, who cheated somebody on Open Face Chinese app, I kind of thought that might be who it was. But then you said you're very surprised. So yeah. I, dis- I discarded that hypothesis. <laughs> It'll be interesting at the World Series this year when I uh, see these people. At least I'm playing an abbreviated schedule, so there's less of a chance for them to find me. Anyway, um, let me uh, let me go here. Uh, oh, by the way, someone in chat said someone say something shitty about Jenna Marbles. Okay. I think Jenna Marble sucks. If she's listening, she can call in, too. No, I think she sucks. I don't think she's funny at all. Really? Yeah, if you go on YouTube and type in Jenna Marbles, uh, her first video... I subscribe to her on YouTube. Really? I, I watch them from time to Maybe time. Maybe I'm too old to understand her, because her first video was, like, how to make yourself uh, into a hottie when you're ugly, or something like that. And it was showing like you know how, how you put on your makeup, how you do your hair, and how to create an optical illusion that you're hot when you're really ugly. And the reason I didn't find this funny is because she actually is hot. Yeah, even even without makeup and all that, she is still hot. Yeah, so like a, I'd be like watching Kobe Bryant saying, uh, "I'm going to teach you how to how to make everyone think you're good at basketball when you really suck at it." And you're <laughs> yeah. like, "No, Kobe, you, you you didn't learn how to do that because you're just naturally good at it. Like that's it, not even funny." Like I, I just don't think that's entertaining. I, I, th- I would think it would actually be entertaining if you took a girl who was legitimately plain or ugly, and then made herself hot and was kind of like 
joking about it the whole way. But here, here she was going, trying so hard to convince all of us that she was ugly, and she isn't. It's just stupid. Like, and it, I, it reminds me of a great scene in this movie called uh, "Not Another Teen Movie," where they're basically parodying uh, "She's All That," and they're trying, they're trying to get like uh, a prom date for the for the high school captain of the football team. They want to get him like a really ugly girl, and then they'll give her a makeover for the prom. And there's all these horribly disfigured girls that walk by, and they're like, nah, she's not ugly enough, not ugly enough. How about Jane? And Jane's just a normal-looking girl who wears glasses and has some paint-stained overalls. And he's saying, no, God, she's got ponytail and glasses. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, I just I just never found any of her videos to be funny. And uh, I, I thought maybe you had to be a girl to understand, but you know, since you like them, and there's other people in the chat who like her, maybe I'm just too old. But but one of the people who the chat likes her, he's as Dark Star. He's even older than me. So I don't know what. I'm to not say. a huge fan, but you know they're uh, they're entertaining from time to time. Okay, but anyway, uh, um, in fact, the only thing I liked in that whole video about uh, you know how to make yourself not look ugly when you're really ugly was when she talked about how you know she's like a go-go dancer or something. She talked about how she cries over her master's degree before she goes out because she really does have a master's degree. So I, I thought that was actually the only funny part of the whole video, but. Um, Anyway, let me uh, let me get back to what I was talking about here with Rich Muni. Maybe he'll call in too. <laughs> Maybe he'll be all pissed as well. But uh, I still think it was intentional. I still think it was really crappy. And at the very least, even if he thinks everybody there should know that it was in context, blah, 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 he had to know at the same time he was revealing that I was the owner of that account and that it would probably be banned when Mason saw it. There's no way he can claim that... I mean, I guess he did claim that I probably won't be banned, but... Mason has banned every other account I've had, and I've never broken a single rule there on 2 plus 2. You'll never find a damn thing I ever posted on that site that breaks a rule on that site. Ever. Todd, I believe you've banned a user on Poker Fraud Alert that never broke any rules here. Who's that? Uh, that'd be MWH. I don't think he ever even had an account here. Oh, he never had an account. Yeah, he was pre-banned because I just didn't like him. But, preemptively uh, banned. He was preemptively is, uh, banned. Some minority report kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, that that was a different story. But the thing is, you know, I I I'm not saying Mason doesn't have a right to ban me. It's his site. I just uh, I, I had always been a good contributor on that site, and uh, when I was banned, I wasn't even doing the stuff you know involving Scalancy. That was actually Mike on doing it. I wasn't against it being done. I thought it was fine, but <coughs> um, it was just something that um, because I was one of the uh, principals of Neverwin Poker at the time. That's why I was banned. So anyway, um, I, I think it's pretty obvious to everybody why it was done. It's one of the things I can't prove, but where I think my gut is pretty right on for this one, even though my gut's a little bit smaller than it was a few months ago. So you know, I'd really, I'd really love to talk to Phil Locke. Let's talk about how he went to Thailand and paid some guy a duffel bag full of money. What? Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know, we don't have to do that to get Phil Locke on here. He actually, he, Phil Locke actually likes me. He'll come on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I'm going to tell you a true story. A few years ago, I think it was in 2009, uh, me and Mikon were walking to, like, the secret bathroom that is typically used by the World Series employees at the World Series, and uh, Phil Locke was using it, too. Phil Locke saw us outside the bathroom and stopped and said, hang on, I want a picture with you guys, and put his arms around us and had someone take a picture of us, and then he tweeted it out there. Wow! It, it was Phil Locke asking me for the celebrity picture. <laughs> not that he, he didn't think I was a bigger name in poker than he is. He never thought that, and obviously I'm not. But uh, Phil Locke actually liked both of us, and uh, 
Um, you know, I've always gotten along with him, and he's been on. He was on uh, Downtown Radio a number of times, so uh, he would actually come on. This is uh, I don't have to talk trash about him. Yeah, that's kind of fascinating because I know you've played with a lot of very well-known poker pros in series like the in events like the World Series and things like that. But I don't uh, I don't really hear you talk about that sort of thing very much and who you're friendly with and who you're not and you know stuff like that. Yeah, well. All right. Well, let me get back to the uh, the not so much the outing of my fake account. I think I've talked enough about that. But about the uh, the new ninety nine percent, the poker stars in full tilt ownership of the PPA, and, and I, I believe they had like two people on the board too, like Howard and someone else. I don't know if it was Howard and Ray, but um, I know Howard was on the board of the PPA for sure. But even putting that aside, forgetting who was on the board, ninety nine percent is huge when it comes to funding a lobbying organization. Now, you may say, Druff, you must be really naive if you just learned this week that the Poker Players Alliance was funded by Poker Stars in Full Tilt. No, I didn't just learn that this week. In fact, I, I mentioned it during the debate I had with Rich Muni. It was one of the first questions I asked him. But I would never had the number. And if somebody asked me to guess what that number was, I would have said, yeah, 75, 80%. That's, that's always what I kind of pictured it as. So I, like, what, what, before you heard this 99% number, what did you picture it to be? Well, he said that it was less than half, right? Yeah. I, I think I'm paraphrasing, but I think that's what he said. It was yeah. less than half. So I, you know, I was thinking like 40% was, oh, you, oh, you was actually thought that. membership dues. Yeah. See, I actually thought it was less than 40% membership dues because I figured if it was 60-40, he probably would have been proud to say that. Well, if you say that it's less than half, then I figure it must be kind of close to half. Yeah, I see. I thought it was something that wasn't anywhere near half and half, but I thought it was something like 75, 25, 80, 20. And the reason that's such a big difference, 80% and 99%, or 75%, 99%, the reason, in my opinion, that this is such a big difference is that with a healthy percentage coming from the members, your organization can still exist and can still accomplish a lot of its goals even if poker stars in full tilt were to pull out, if you were to get them angry and they were to say, hey, we don't like what you're doing. What you're doing is going to be counterproductive for us. And, and what, what would be counterproductive for the online poker sites that existed back in 2010? Uh, it would be legislation that would exclude them, legislation that would legalize online poker in the U.S., but not allow poker stars in full tilt to be part of that market. That would be great for the players but terrible for stars and tilt. So even though we have common interests with the online poker sites as players to have it legalized, we don't have common interests in that the players don't really give a crap whether stars and tilt are able to offer games in the U.S. I mean, I guess it would be nice if they could, but it's not a big deal to us. Where to those sites, it's huge. It's like it's the biggest issue to them that exists at all. <coughs> so the question becomes... Can the PPA say no to Poker Stars in Full Tilt? I'm talking about in 2010. And um, if they're contributing 99% of the funding, and if in absence of that funding all you have left is $50,000, then the PPA is nothing without them. They literally are nothing without them. But you cannot lobby in Washington with $50,000 as your yearly budget. You just can't. You need money. That's why there isn't any kind of realistic alternative to the PPA because it takes money and that money's got to come from somewhere. It takes a lot of money and the PPA had that money. It still does 
from Poker Stars and Full Tilt. Now, now they're just getting it from Poker Stars, I presume. But um, in 2010, they got five million dollars from those two sites combined. Only 50k from the members. Now, how can you ever say that the PPA is a grassroots organization if 99% of their funding comes from corporate interests? They have no ability to say no to the corporations. Because if they do, then Poker Stars says, okay, fine. We just won't give you any money next year. F you. And that's the end of that. Poker, Poker Players Alliance is dead. And they know that. They know that they can't say no. Look, let's say that you are an adult and you're being supported by your dad. Let's say you make about $4,000 a year on your own. But your dad, who has a lot of money, gives you $396,000 a year. Just just because he's your dad. Making a total of four hundred k per year for your income. And you live very well, obviously. Um, if your dad were to object to parts of your lifestyle, if he didn't like you doing drugs or partying all the time or whatever, and he said, look, you, you better shape up or I'm going to not give you this three hundred ninety six k anymore. I'll cut you off. You have to live on the $4,000 you you are earning every year. Um, you would feel a lot of pressure to do whatever your dad wants because you just would not want to lose that money because if you did, you couldn't get by. You'd be screwed. But let's say you were making 100000 and your dad was giving you 300 Well, then you have a lot more power to tell your dad, hey, look, you don't run my life. I'm an adult. Your money's nice, but, uh, you know, I can do without the 300000 I can get by just fine and live a happy life with hundred k a year. So that's what I pictured was the situation with the players. I thought enough was coming from the players that even though the majority, the vast majority, was coming from the poker sites, I thought it was something like 75%, where um, even if Poker Stars and Full Tilt pulled their funding, the PPA could keep chugging along. But the truth is they couldn't. The truth is if those sites pulled their funding, that would be it. No more PPA. So there's absolutely no way that they can be an independent organization that represents the interests of the players. There's just no way if the funding almost exclusively came from the corporate interests. Now, some of our interests are the same, as I said. We both support legalization. But that's it. There's many areas where the players' interests and the online poker sites' interests are different. And you know who the PPA is going to side with. It's the one that gives the money. It's the one that if they take away the money, they can't live without. That's just basic economics. There's no other way. There's no way around it. There's no, I mean, Rich has been posting all over 2 plus 2. Hey, I'm my own man. The PPA is its own organization. We don't take uh, orders from anyone. BS. There is no way that if it came down to standing up to poker stars and poker stars threatened to remove funding, that you'd say, all right, fine, take away your funding. There's no way. Because you'd be dead. I've heard one counterpoint uh, on this, and that being there was a bill being floated about before Black Friday, one that would introduce legislation federally for online poker in the United States that would have a blackout period and I believe would shut out poker stars in full tilt. Uh, So directly in conflict with their interests that the PPA supported. I I think Rich may have brought this up. He did bring it up during the debate. And my response to that is that this wasn't completely shutting them out. This was just a, this was almost like a compromise. Like, okay, you guys can come back in the market, but you've got to give uh, the U.S. sites a chance to catch up and compete on fair ground. Because if you all start at the same time, you have a huge head start on them. 
Would you oh, like okay, to- I misunderstood then. Yeah, so so um, if they were, I, I to, to my knowledge, the PBA has never gotten behind or seriously gotten behind a bill that has completely shut out the other online poker sites from ever offering games in the U.S. Um, I, I don't believe they ever have. Someone can can, uh, can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, and if they did ever get behind it. Then I don't know what their plan was because obviously that would piss off poker stars to see that, piss off Full Tilt to see that, and that would be the end of their funding. So I, I can't imagine that they would have done something like that. I, I can imagine they would do something that wouldn't be optimal for poker stars in Full Tilt, but poker stars in Full Tilt had to be realistic and realize that they may not get something optimal that is done for them, that they, ha- they may have to give up something to get the ability to offer games in the U.S. So... It's just basic economics. There's no way you can accept that much money from an organization, get almost no money from anywhere else, and claim that you don't represent them. Claim that you, you have a power to stand up to them. You don't. I'm not just talking about the PPA. I'm talking about any lobbying organization. Someone brought up uh, the NRA saying, hey, they get a lot of money from the gun manufacturers. But yet they're, they claim to be a grassroots organization. They claim to represent all gun owners in America, not the gun manufacturers. Well, the difference is the NRA gets a lot of money from its members. I believe the majority of the NRA funding actually comes from members and not from the gun companies. So even though they do get a lot from the gun companies, they represent both. Here it's 99 to 1. Or at least that's what it was in 2010, which is the year that mattered most. Well, when I brought this up on PFA, I was asking if anybody could actually confirm that number because I was unable to do so independently. So I wasn't even sure if that's even true. Well, but- I guess since nobody's denied it, then I suppose it must be. Right, right. And also, someone claims they got it. It was a guy on our site called Don Fairplay. I don't know if he ever represented uh, Fairplay USA, which was a uh, kind of pseudo-lobby organization that uh, was created by the large casinos. But Don Fairplay is the one who posted this. He claimed it came from their uh, one of their tax forms in 2010. So I, I don't doubt the information, especially since, again, nobody has denied it, like you said. Uh my other problem with this is that the PPA has been misrepresenting itself by saying that uh, they're a grassroots organization. A grassroots organization does not get 99% of its funding from corporate interests with a, a different agenda. That's just not a grassroots organization. That's a, that's a corporate lobbying arm that is soliciting volunteers from the general public. But it's not a grassroots organization. A grassroots organization would be the PPA if a lot of its funding came from the members, to where the members really should have a say. Um, when I was in uh, ninth grade history, I remember my history teacher said, you guys all need to learn the golden rule that has existed throughout history. And everybody said, what's the golden rule? And the teacher said, the golden rule is whoever has the gold makes the rules. And that's definitely true when it comes to lobbying. Definitely true. Whoever puts up the money for the lobbying is the one who has a say in the way the lobbying is done. Whoever doesn't put up money has very little say. That's just the way it is in Washington. It's, it's common sense. So, um, now, do I feel that they should have rejected this money? Do I feel that the PPA should have said, hey, poker stars, hey, full tilt, F you. We're not taking your money. We'll, we'll make we'll make do with a 50k. No, 
Obviously, a well-funded PPA with poker site money is a lot better than a poorly funded PPA with member money. But they should have been honest about it. They should have said, we are getting 99% of our money from the poker sites. We have to represent their interests first. We're going to be honest. But uh, a lot of their interests coincide with your interests. So how about we all get together here and try to make something happen as far as legalization? Well, this is kind of a uh, this is kind of a point that the PPA has had to defend for a long time, even even before recently when this was brought up. But uh, you know, a lot of people weren't comfortable with the fact that Chris Ferguson and Howard Letterer were on their board of directors. That's right, it's Chris but Ferguson. Thanks, thanks for telling me. I, I, they, forgot, I forgot the other person. They've always contended that uh, you know, sure, we our interest that their interests uh, for the players, you know, are mainly overlap with those of of the uh of the poker sites and that anyway my 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 point is is that they this has been a talking point for years um we're separate from the 99% versus 1% yeah it has been but the, i and i think this but this really takes the argument one step further because of the extreme because when it's 99 to 1 the players really have no say in my opinion then because the the organization can't exist without without the poker sites and I thought prior to this being revealed that they could. Anyway, uh, Simp Dog said in our chat, this subject has been beaten to death. Let's move to... A, the horse has been fully beaten. Let's move to a new topic. Here at Poker Fraud Alert, we care very much about your opinion. We do. Here I am uh, on a podcast that's primarily listened to by uh, people who are not hearing it live and have no way to see the chat room. And yet I repeat critical comments from the chat room for full disclosure. Because unlike the PPA, I want everyone to know everything good and bad. So I'm going to lighten up the mood, though. Now, I'm not going to repeat all the stuff bad guy is saying about me. Because <laughs> I'm not interested in full disclosure. <laughs> I've not heard this yet. But um, I'm not a fan of rap music for the most part. But uh, this is a rap I think all of us can appreciate. At least I hope it is. I haven't heard it yet. But uh, I think it's appropriate, given some things that have happened here over the last month or so. Biggie. Yo, Jessup, it's the crowd at PFA. You scanned us hard, now we got something to say. The kids at 22Q were missing their money. Stole from a charity dog, that ain't funny. Biggie. Started it out with a charity podcast. Raised a lot of money and had a blast. We thought all the kids had won, but most of the money just went to Juan. Then came the bat. They started out well, but we should have listened to the alarm bell. Sick days, skip days, all great excuses. You didn't even put the money to good uses. Up yours, Jessup. Peace. Jessup. <laughs> Jessup. That's, that's, that's pretty good. That yeah, was pretty good. The only problem was the Jessup. I, I don't know about that, but... Uh... Who was that, Todd? Um, I don't know if that person wanted themselves identified. Oh, they can okay. they can say who they are if uh, if they want to, but uh, it was not seriously serious for those of you who are wondering. It was his first time hearing it too. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned now that uh, you know I'm not the big fish in the small pond anymore. <laughs> and now here's a question: Was it your black friend that has been answering questions on our site? No, no, Marvin's not much of a rapper. It wasn't Marvin, okay. So uh, that was the Jassip rap about the Jasip or Jassip scandal involving stolen charity money and stolen BAP money that all unfortunately occurred 
either on the site or with the cooperation of the site. Not the cooperation in scamming, but uh, well, you've all heard the whole story. Very unfortunate. And uh, yes, the 100-page report has been submitted to the police. They are actively investigating right now. I will update when I get information to update, but I have nothing new this week other than the 100 pages has been submitted. But good rap. I enjoyed it. I, I yeah. didn't. I didn't pre-listen to this. Like, like I, I could have put it on. It could have been like, "Yo, Dan Druff, you suck balls." Like, it could have been like a total bash on me, and I would have been stuck playing it. I, I, I couldn't kill it at that point. I mean, I, I feel like this was a uh, this was a calculated risk, and it paid off. It was. And as I always tell people, I produce a lot of this show during the show. Like, look at all the things we did during the show that I had no idea I was going to do prior to the show. Like taking a call from Sean Deeb. And, and uh, accusing Sean Deeb of being the guy playing Barry Greenstein that Barry was talking about maybe cheating him. So, um, yeah, we've done a lot I, here. I kind of disagree his point that you should have looked into this or done some research or asked around about it before bringing it up because, you know, what's what that kind of takes all the fun out of gossip. This was something fresh off the wire. Yeah, this is what the Lithuanians would call poker gossips. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I I, tr- I thought I put in enough disclaimers about the whole situation that I wasn't accusing him, that it was just a, a rumor, that this is from someone uh, you know, who just passed it to me, I know nothing more. Even that, if he was the one playing Barry, that it doesn't mean he was cheating. It just means that Barry thinks the guy he was playing was cheating. So I, I tried now, to cover if, it from all If bases. you heard some rumor about me, and you uh, spontaneously just mentioned it on radio, and it was something embarrassing... I might see that point of view. It'd been like, dude, why didn't you, uh, you know, you know how to get a hold of me. Yeah. Why, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I understand his point, but it's kind of like spur of the moment thing. And I, I took his call and I, uh, I even put a disclaimer. I don't know if it's true or not. It's not like I should have his point of view. So, uh, I mean, if I heard this beforehand, I probably would have asked him. I'm curious how he heard about it. Like, uh, somebody listening to the show live must have, uh, hit him up somewhere. You know what? We have a lot of people that listen to the show and, uh, don't show themselves in the chat room and don't uh, don't ever say they listen. It's just like I'm surprised. Like I go to the World Series and uh, you know fairly well known players tell me they've been listening to the show, and and I know they really have. They tell me about details, and I'm really surprised. Something I guess it's easy to forget that there's more people listening live than just who's in the chat. Yeah, and, and also I, I know tonight was a live thing, but there's a lot of people listening in the archives. That's where we get most of the listeners. So I have no clue who's listening to me. I want to hear that rap again, and so so does somebody else in the chat. All right, I'll play I'll play the rap again. Here we go. Jacep Stoll is the name of the rap. Biggie. Yo, Jacep, it's the crowd at PFA. You scanned us hard, now we got something to say. The kids at 22 cube were missing their money. Stole from a charity dog, that ain't funny. Started it out with a charity podcast. Raised a lot of money and had a blast. We thought all the kids had won, but most of the money just went to one. Then came the rap, they started out well. But we should have listened to the alarm bell. Sick days, skip days, all great excuses. You didn't even put the money to good uses. Up yours, Jacep. Peace. My blind read on this is that that's a Fiverr gig that somebody purchased. Is a what? A Fiverr gig. There's a website called Fiverr. Where, uh, uh, I don't know what that is. Okay. It, it, you, you can uh, people provide all kinds of unique services for hmm. five bucks a piece. Oh, I see. I There's bet. definitely rappers on Fiverr, and some of them will even write lyrics for you. But uh, uh, for the most part, if that was done for five bucks. I'm impressed. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if you could if you could churn those out, like, you know, 12 of them an hour, you could make some good money doing that. Really? Five bucks? Maybe I'm going to get some raps written for me. I mean, dude, Fiverr's, Fiverr's a lot of fun if you just have some money to blow. There's, there's well, a lot of... I think I'm going to go there. I think I'm going to have uh, Raph's written about Benjamin and uh, about the site, and I, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to take advantage of this five bucks. I mean, you can. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot cheaper than me. <laughs> okay, so um, let's go on here. Um, no more about the PPA. No more about Sean Deeb. Again, Sean, I'm sorry if it was a false accusation, but you know, we just report everything here that we hear and try to. I try to put disclaimers on it to make people understand that these are not necessarily facts, but it's what I heard. Poker gossips. Um, let's go to the next big topic of the week. Daniel Negreanu and Antonio Esfandiari are allegedly part of a cult. I think cult's a little strong. It is a little strong. Um, but, uh, I'll explain the whole thing and you guys can decide what you think of it. A lot of, uh, varied opinions on this one. Now, first of all, I want to give credit where it's due, where this came from. The investigative reporter who brought all this out was not Haley Hintz. It was not uh, a 2 plus 2 poster. It was not even Annie Duke, who hates Daniel Negreanu. It was Brian Mikon of Donk Down, my former partner. He Doing actually, some investigative journalism. He actually did some investigative journalism. He did a pretty good job. I was impressed, yeah. You know, like I... I uh, I, I said, I promised I wouldn't bash him, and he's promised he wouldn't bash me, but uh, I never promised I won't say anything good, so he, yeah, he did something good here. He uh, he put together a report that was informative, that uh, covered a lot of bases, and um, I, I thought it was very interesting. I learned about this because Vanessa Selbst tweeted it, and was also really? impressed with the write-up. You know, Vanessa Selbst is someone who also doesn't like me from association and not from anything I did. Do really? You, do you have any idea who that might be? Who do you think I might have been associated with that Vanessa Selps hates? I, I honestly, I have no idea. Dustin Neverwin Wolf. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he uh, he had a little spat with her during a uh, Poker Stars Battleship tournament at the PCA, and uh, I, I guess I have myself to blame a little bit, because um, on 2 Plus 2, this is before I was banned, I went out there and defended Dustin. And uh, since then, she hasn't liked me. Like well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think she would hold anything against you purely for association, considering that uh, she was very. Uh, she she heaped a lot of praise onto Mikon's report, and so clearly she's not yeah. holding anything against well, him. Well, for I don't association. think. She, yeah. Well, the thing Mikon didn't come out and defend him though, and I did. I defended uh, Neverwin. Okay. So okay, well, it's a little bit more than a association. A little bit more than association, but uh, I don't think she hates me. She just doesn't seem to really uh, want to talk to me. But that's okay. So, uh, back to Daniel Negreanu and the uh, sort of cult. We're talking about uh, Choice Center Las Vegas, which has some uh, similarities to Scientology, kind of like Scientology Light, uh, much smaller in scale. If you want to see their website, it's a beautiful site, choicecenter.com, exactly as it sounds, choicecenter.com. You'll see a, a very professional-looking woman on the front page who presumably is part of this Choice Center. I believe that is a stock photo. It's actually a stock photo, yes. <laughs> the same woman is pictured on a website which sells cancer wigs. And I don't believe this woman is a cancer patient either. But um, the 
second big link on the page is make a payment, which is never a good sign. Um, now, if you scroll down the page, and I'll explain in a second exactly what Choice Center Vegas is. Um, in the middle of the page, it says Poker Grads Honored, Esfandiari and Agranu 2013 Bluff Winners. I think they actually mean 2012, 2013. Unless they can see the future that they're going to uh, own in 2013. Uh, there really hasn't been very much this year. Oh, I, I see. Congratulations. When I, when I go to pay my electric bill, uh, the first link I see on the website is make a payment. So I don't see why that's <laughs> such a big deal. It seems like a common practice. Congratulations to Poker Pro grads Antonio Esfandiari. And you, you know like when you graduated high school, you were like class of whatever? Um, well, they have classes here too. LV120 is the class, which means Las Vegas class number 120. And Daniel Negreanu, LV127, who each received 2013 Bluff Magazine Reader's Choice Award. Uh, Antonio won for Favorite TV Personality and Top on the Felt Moment of 2012. And Daniel won Favorite Male Player and Favorite Poker Tweeter. So why are they honored? Well, because they graduated the the course here, the, the school, whatever you want to call it. The, the Leadership University. I'll explain in a second. I think uh, I think Jimmy Fricky really got snubbed on that favorite tweeter award. Just yeah, saying, he might have. Uh, I don't know. If I, actually, I think his mother got snubbed. That Jim's, Jimmy Fricky's. Mother. I, I'm not being sarcastic. I really enjoy his okay, tweets. Okay. Um, so then, right next to that goal, one hundred thousand dollars in seven days. They are talking about uh, support kids with cancer at St. Jude. Choice Center's LV-127 leadership team, which was uh, Negreanu and others, invites you to join them in raising $100,000 in just seven days for kids with cancer and catastrophic diseases at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So there's a a big charity element to this whole thing. So what could be bad about that? St. Jude is a fantastic charity and totally on the up and up. I uh, I support it very, very much. Yeah, nothing against I don't, I don't. I don't actually support it because I don't donate to charity because I'm broke, but... Uh, it's one that I I very much like. Yeah, well, nothing against St. Jude here, but um, I'll tell you a bit about Choice Center Vegas, which looks very questionable to me. Um, Choice Center Vegas is like a life coaching. Uh, it's kind of like a life coaching group company. It's a. It's referred to by some as an LGAT, which um, stands for. Uh, Large group awareness training. Yeah, this got a lot of attention with uh, another company called Livestream. Right, right. I think, so, I think it's Livestream. Right, it is Livestream. And Livestream, uh, which I'll talk about in a little bit, went through a lot of controversy. And uh, that's what's being compared to this Choice Center. Right, when people talk about LGATs, most people think Livestream. Yeah, so this is basically when you, you either have no direction in life or your life is just really going poorly or you just don't feel loved. You feel down. You feel like uh, you're in a like you're just not happy with yourself and with life, and you want to improve things. And you just don't know where to go or who to turn to. Choice Center Las Vegas will show you the way. They will show you how to look within yourself, discover yourself, and make a breakthrough. And you do that through two courses they give you. Discovery and Breakthrough. And uh, now these aren't really very cult-like, in my opinion. They seem to be like encouraging psychobabble. 
where you get in groups, you you talk about all these personal things, um, you look within yourself, you you have all the coaches giving you know, feeding you all this crap about uh, all the things you can do, and it's supposed to make the people who are participating in this discover things about themselves and change their lives. And you say, what's wrong with that? Some people need that added confidence. Well, first of all, it's very expensive. Um, they're not doing this, even though they have a charity element to the whole thing, which I'll get to in a little bit. It's not cheap. Um, depending upon the time of year and uh, whatever promotion is going on, it, it's, uh, it ranges between like 1800 and $2,600. To take these courses, I think there's additional for, courses for three weekends, right? Yeah, and there's additional courses you can take uh, for uh, yeah, for extra money or something. But uh, that that's basically the main parts of the course. Unlike uh, Scientology, where you're supposed to be part of it forever, almost like a religion. This is different in that you take the courses, and if you feel that it's improved you, or even if it hasn't, you you can just say, "Okay, we're done. Thank you." Goodbye. However, there is a third part to Choice Center Las Vegas, and that is called Leadership Legacy. Leadership Legacy is uh, the part you go to when you've graduated from Discovery and Breakthrough. Leadership Legacy is where they encourage you to recruit friends and family members and put a lot of pressure on you to do so to join Choice Center Las Vegas. So prior to Leadership Legacy, they don't really do this. They just uh, they just make you learn about yourself and improve yourself and give you advice, blah, blah, blah. But then it goes from life coaching to, hey, you've recognized how great we are. You must recognize how great you, we are because now you're paying additional money for this leadership program. Now it's time for you to lead. And the way you lead is you lead others into our program for 2600 bucks each. Now, do you get a commission? No. Uh, are you working for them? No. You're just expected to do this because you're such a big supporter of the program and because it changed your life so much. So then you're supposed to approach your friends and family and say, you know what? My life sucked, but since I joined Choice Center Las Vegas, I'm a new man. I want you to be a new man. I want you to go there. I want you to spend 2600 bucks for their uh, discovery and breakthrough courses. And, and you start putting pressure on your friends and family to do this. And um, who is in this leadership legacy? Well, it's whoever wants to go on after the first two parts. I, I think that the first two parts are kind of like a weeder. It's also, they also make a lot of money from it. But, but the way they get uh, customers to recruit other customers is by seeing who moves on to the third part. And they figure if you're going to move on to the third part and pay even more money, at this point you're probably hooked. Because they say for the third part, it's a three-month course. You have to, do, you know, they say you have to dedicate a lot of time and effort. So they figure if you're willing to go through this for three months, and you're willing to put up the extra money, and you're willing to commit to the effort and the time, that you must be really into it. You must be, you must be totally drunk on the Kool-Aid already. So, therefore, you are the type of sucker they want to recruit other suckers. And this way, the ones who kind of thought it was just okay, or yeah, this was good, but I, I really don't feel comfortable recruiting people or spending a lot of time in this whole thing, they never have to deal with those people because they just drop out after the first two courses. It's kind of like a weeder. Um, 
Now, everybody here has received Nigerian scam emails at some point. And these Nigerian scam emails always ask for your bank account. Like, if you respond to the initial letter about, uh, hey, I'm a prince from Nigeria, I want to get uh, $100 million out of the country, I'll give you 10%. And then you respond, they'll write back and say, okay, give me your bank account number. Well, the reason they ask for that is not to steal from your bank account. They ask for that to see if you're dumb enough to give it to them. And if you are, then they think you're a sucker that they can continue trying to milk. If you go, no, no, I don't really feel comfortable, then they're like, oh, forget this guy. This guy's too skeptical. So I think that's what leadership legacy is about. If you get that far, you must be someone who's uh, going to be willing to promote them for free. And that's what Daniel DeGrano is basically doing right now, as far as I know. I don't think he's getting any money for this. Uh, but you say, you know, who cares if Daniel DeGrano gets paid? If he, if he believes in it, what's wrong with him promoting this? Well, um, there's a few problems I have with this Choice Center Vegas. Uh, before I get to that, though, I want to play you a uh, YouTube of Daniel DeGranu talking about how he's going to miss the NBC Heads Up event. This was an event that took place in January. And uh, the title of this YouTube video is Friendship. I'm not going to play the whole thing. It's eight minutes, but I'm going to play the first few minutes. Hey, guys. Well, today is the day before the NBC Heads Up Championship tonight. Let's start that again. That was too soft. Hey guys, well today is the day before the NBC Heads Up Championship. Tonight is the draw party, which I'll be at, uh, supporting my friends. But um, as I mentioned earlier on Twitter, I'm not going to be playing the NBC Heads Up event this year. Um, and I want to start by saying, first of all, like how much I love the event and how great I think it is for poker and how important it is for this event to be back on the, on the schedule, especially with in light of what's happening in the United States. It's really, really a good, solid thing. So, so why am I not there? Why am I not playing? is the question. And um, it really comes down to the, the simple answer is like a prior commitment, right? Um, I promised I promise some friends who need me, need my support, need me to be there for them this weekend. And um, they all understood. They said, go play. You know, we'll be okay. But I may, I, you know, we talk about integrity and what does that really mean? You do what you say you're going to do, right? So I look back in my life and the amount of times where I've made a poker tournament a priority over my friends and my family. And um, not that I, I mean, poker is obviously important to me, but uh, I'm going to be playing like 45 or 50 tournaments this year. And this is one, and I promised my friends that I was going to be there for them, and I want to be there for them. And I look back, and I think like in a year from now, if I look back and, and say, okay, well, I missed the NBC heads up. You know, I could have won that thing. It would have been awesome for a lot of my goals, the GPI and everything like that. But in the same token, when I compare that, to skipping out on my friends when I could share an experience with them and, and really be there for them, I don't know if I can forgive myself for that. Any- so, okay. Um, yep, here we go. Um, you hear that, and you think, wow, Negroni must have really been affected by this uh, choice center. They taught him the value of friendship before he was putting poker first. And now, he's putting his friends first. And he made a commitment to his friends. They really need him, as he said. And he's not going to say, hey, I can't show up anymore because this NBC Heads Up tournament happens to be the same weekend you need me. I'm going to be there for you, my friends. And screw the NBC Heads Up. It's, it's important, but uh, F it. Friends are more important than poker. Now, that sounds good. Except that's not really what was going on. What do you think was going on that weekend? Anybody? Seriously serious? Are you with me? 
You're not? Okay. I'll uh, comment. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'll comment. Uh, so, as you might have guessed, these were not friends he was meeting with. He was actually taking the leadership legacy course that weekend. Well, Choice those are his friends. At Choice Center Las Vegas. Now, um, yes, I guess you could call them friends if, if he feels he's made friendships there, but that's not really what was going on. Well, look, I mean, you spend a lot of time with those people in those groups. You grow very close. You reveal a lot of personal things about yourself. You open up to them. You know, maybe uh, after a couple of weeks, he was really growing. He developed a strong bond with those people. He might have, but they. But he was saying that they needed him there. They didn't need him there. They, he would be de- doing the course, this Leadership Legacy, to supposedly learn how to be a great leader. In fact, I'll, I'll read the description of Leadership Legacy from their own form. Uh, you know, from the very form that uh, was about this course he was taking. Leadership legacy is where you learn to translate the learning and tools of discovery and breakthrough into your life. Of course, discovery and breakthrough being the first two courses. Your life literally becomes the classroom as you be- receive daily personal coaching on how to create extraordinary results by achieving goals you design by authoring a personal strategic plan. With your team and your coach... You will bring into reality what may now seem impossible as you master the principles by which great leaders live. Now, that all sounds well and good, but this is teaching you how to benefit yourself. This is teaching you how to achieve goals that you once thought were impossible. This teaches you how to create extraordinary results, they say. How to translate what you learned at discovery and breakthrough into your own life. His friends didn't need him here. This is to learn to do things for yourself. So he told a story that, as seriously serious said here, is technically true. He did have friends there. He did make friends there. He may have even had some existing friends that went with him there. But he wasn't doing it for his friends. He was doing it because he was so into this whole thing. He didn't want to miss the leadership legacy course and have to wait till the LV-128 class to graduate from. Because, uh, you know, he was a LV-127 student that did Discovery and Breakthrough in November 2012. And here, uh, Leadership Legacy, this was the, uh, there were three, it's a three-weekend uh, course. Uh, the second of the three weekends, and they're not three consecutive weekends. The first one was November 30th to December 2nd. The second was uh, January 25th to 27th, which is what conflicted with the NBC Heads Up. And the third was in uh, late February. This is all this year. Um, so he didn't want to say, hey, I'm, I'm taking this leadership legacy course at Choice Center Las Vegas. He didn't want to mention Choice Center Las Vegas. He talked about friends and, and putting poker over friendship. That's not what was going on at all. Now, he doesn't owe us an explanation. This is his personal life. He can do whatever the hell he wants. I recognize that. Um, he's not required to make a blog and, and give a, an excuse that everybody approves of. He doesn't even have to say why. He can just say, I'm not playing NBC Heads Up, period. He doesn't even have to say. He could just not play. He doesn't know anyone anything. Uh, but, but he did make this video, and he lied to people, which shows to me that either he was somewhat ashamed or embarrassed of this, or he was a little afraid that this wouldn't go over well with Poker Stars, who is his uh, sponsor. Uh, I, only Daniel could answer why he wasn't all that truthful with that video, but uh, thought it was interesting, and that is why he missed the NBC Heads Up this year. Now, um, I mentioned... Uh, Daniel, there there are other poker players that are involved with this as well, but before we get to them, I'm going to read what uh, Daniel wrote on Full Contact Poker, which is his poker forum. Um, he read the MyCon article. He read the 2 plus 2 discussion of this. This is what he wrote. Isn't Mulva a member of that website? 
of full contact poker. Yeah. Um, he has a, a an avatar that's making fun of full contact poker. I don't know if he's a member. I think that's my favorite avatar. <laughs> he actually didn't make that avatar. That was made by a guy who doesn't post anymore. Someone who vanished a long time ago. But that, that was uh-huh. a very funny picture. Uh, anyway, here's what Dana Negrani wrote. Read some things on the internet that need some clarification. First of all, I'm not in a cult, nor does Choice Center have anything to do with religion in the slightest. And that part's true. It has nothing to do with, nothing to do with religion. It is a 100-day course on emotional intelligence. What is emotional intelligence, anyway? It's a thing. It's a real thing. Come on. That I graduated from last weekend. It cost $2,700 for the entire training, and you were never asked for a penny on top of that, ever. I was introduced to this course by my agent and good friend Brian Ballsbaugh, who completed the first two weekends, Discovery and Breakthrough. The leadership course is once a month for the next three months, and Brian was not able to complete the whole course because of prior engagements, but he told me he got a lot out of the first two weekends. He was there and recommended it. No, he didn't get a percentage of me attending. He just figured I liked the course, so I started it on November 1st and just finished it last weekend. Now, this part, I believe, is all true. I don't believe Brian Ballsbaugh got anything for recruiting Daniel, and uh, I I believe everything he wrote right there. Uh, Just like with any course or training... You will not find 100% satisfaction, and some people don't like it and aren't comfortable with it, so they quit. They are free to go whenever they please. You can choose to stay or leave. It's entirely up to you. Well, that's a stupid thing to say. I mean, nobody thought Daniel was being held prisoner with a gun to his head. Well, to be fair, some cults kind of do. Yeah, I know, but I... He's saying this isn't a cult, because, yeah, in a lot of cults, you're, you're either forced to stay or you're very, very highly discouraged to leave, and sometimes threatened if you, uh, if you do leave. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that was over the top. Antar- okay. Antonio Esfandiari, as well as Nick and Michael Binger, and several other poker players have completed the course as well. After Antonio graduated, he went on to win the one drop, you know, the $18 million, a World Series bracelet, a World Series of Poker Europe bracelet, and finished fourth at the WPT event in December. Now, I'm not suggesting that choice is the reason he won, but I certainly noticed the positive changes in him, both in terms of his focus and presence at the table, as well as his direction in life. And remember, he, he completed this before uh, Daniel did. Nick Binger and his brother Michael have always been two guys in our community that I've had a lot of respect for, and Nick ended up being in the same class with me. Nick is a sharp guy, and as I said, I respect his intellect. We were never forced into anything at all, as you always have a choice. Again, that choice thing. Many of the things I read on internet on the internet are wildly inaccurate. If there's anything, quote, fishy going on, I would have I would be the first to bring attention to it, as I have in the poker community for the past 10-plus years. I'd say that my record speaks for itself. As part of our Leadership Legacy Project, we were challenged with the task of raising $100,000 for the St. Jude's Children's Hospital in seven days. I'm proud to say we raised 277000 in seven days. Over the last 15 years, 15,000 people have attended Choice, and I personally know close to 100 of those people. Of those 100 I know, one quit on the first night, another quit after the first weekend, and the other 98 all had a great experience with it. That's 98% for those of you keeping score at home. Not quite as high as uh, you know, full tilt and poker stars of the PPA, but still pretty high. It's not for everybody, I guess, but my experience, it was a powerful experience for the vast majority, including me. Well, that's a glowing endorsement. Um, now, Nick Binger, who you mentioned, also uh, wrote about this. I'm not going to read Nick Binger's whole uh, thing. You can go read about this on the uh, Scam Scandals and Shadiness uh, forum here 
on uh, Poker Fraud Alert. But a, a quick, quick aside, if I may. Um, I don't have this open right now. How many people does he say has attended uh, Choice Center over the years? Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't take these advanced math courses like you did. Uh, at about say two thousand five hundred a pop. How much money is that? Oh boy, that's that's a lot. Uh, th- that is um, fifteen. Th- I mean, that's that's it's like uh, forty million dollars. That's a lot of money. Yep. So uh, this is what uh, Nick Binger wrote. The only thing he, now he was very positive about the whole thing too. But I'm only going to read the part that uh, he wrote that he was a little suspicious. And again, Nick Binger was very pro-choice center Vegas, and he did not do the, you know, or he's not you know still involved with it. He says, but uh, this is what he wrote that uh, he wasn't as happy about. Um, the most damning thing I could find about Choice was that it's certainly a business, and during the leadership portion, you were encouraged to refer the friends you felt would benefit. I really dislike that aspect of it, but it is a business, and that model works. On the plus side, during leadership, there was an extended personal and business goal setting, strategic planning, community center, service, outreach, and volunteering. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> Somebody just somebody just came in here. Somebody's interested in Choice Center Las Vegas, I think. I, 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 that kind of bothers me that I'm reading about this, and uh, that's when my son decides to come in. Anyway, um, so um, I mean, that's pretty much what he was saying here, is that it bothered him somewhat that during the leadership portion, they really, really seemed to push the referral part. Now you may say, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with uh, asking someone to refer others to the business? I mean, I remember even uh, at my dentist, it says, you know, if you're happy here, uh, please refer your friends and family. We get most of our business from referrals. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, if there's a lot of pressure on you to refer people, if you're made to believe that if you're not referring people, then you're failing in some way, if you're made to feel it's your obligation to refer people and not just, hey, if you know anybody that might like this, you make sure to tell them. That's fine to say, but it, that doesn't sound like what was going on there. It sounds like there's a lot of pressure on people to refer them to Choice Center Las Vegas. And that's what really bothers me. Is like that, it's your duty or your obligation right. to, uh, to maybe help people save their souls, so yeah. to speak. And um, I, I just feel that... Um, and someone just asked in chat, hockey guy said, how do you know there's pressure? He never said that. Um, because of, of the whole nature of the whole thing. And, and also I read some posts on 2 Plus 2 where people talked about it. But um, there's no way Michael, sorry, Nick Binger would have even written this if they just said, hey, you know, if you guys like what we're doing here, please let anybody know who's in your life that you think could benefit. If they just said that and dropped it at that, there's no way he would have felt badly about that because he was very pro them on every other aspect. So there's not there's not a hater. There's not someone looking to find fault with them. Um, he he just felt that, um, uh, and he also wrote the leadership por- portion. I would only recommend for those willing and able to dedicate lots of time and energy during the three months, and are okay with being asked to enroll friends. This is understandably a deal breaker for many. So, it sounds to me like they really do put a lot of pressure on you. 
They they really and I, I read other things on the internet that they do that this is that this is the portion that's kind of cult and scam like that the that the development and uh, or the discovery and the uh, breakthrough portions are, are more just like discover things about yourself and we give you advice and and while it's expensive and it's probably not worth it um, you know maybe some people still gain from it maybe to them it's worth it so fine. But I would think if this is such a successful and wonderful program, they would they would think it just speaks for itself. They would think that they would change these lives and people would run home and say, oh my God, this is so wonderful. You've got to take this course too. It, it, you shouldn't need strong pressure or encouragement to do this. But it really seems like that a large part of this leadership uh, course involves leading other people into it. And legitimate... Life coaching, legitimate uh, leadership coaching does not work that way. I know a lot of people who have been in legitimate leadership coaching programs. Even my own father was in one many years ago. What is a legitimate leadership coaching program exactly? Well, most of them are connected more to the business world rather than the personal world where uh, you know, you're you know, you're a manager or something something where your business sends you there and pays for it typically. And and you learn how, how to lead your your you know, your employees better, how to lead your company better. Are, um, are you saying that like uh, the instructors might have their proper credentials or yes. experience education, that sort of a thing? Right. And that that's that's a good point. That this the instructors here don't have any of that. The instructors here give themselves titles and they don't have any kind of formal education. Or any kind of formal qualifications, they they just say they're qualified, and uh, um, you're not supposed to question it. Well, one of the things I find weird about it is that it's kind of called a university, and that people that complete it are said to have graduated. Yes, that's that's another big red flag, definitely. That uh, there are no uh, real qualifications. And now, who are you learning from there? Well, one of the people who's accused of being involved with this, and I'm not sure to what degree he's involved. But there's a guy named John Hanley Sr. who was involved in a similar organization called LifeSpring. I'm going to read from Wikipedia about LifeSpring. It was founded in 1974 and it had 400,000 or more people participate in its trainings. And um, it uh, eventually had 30 lawsuits against them that were seeking to hold LifeSpring responsible for the participants' deaths or their mental damages. And the company actually paid to settle some of these suits before trial and, and other than uh, um, other cases lost jury decisions. Um, the key person to this whole thing was John Hanley Sr. And um, LifeSpring, there was a lot of controversy about this. And um, interestingly enough, um, it started with a three-level program, starting with a basic training and an advanced breakthrough course, and then a three-month leadership program. Now, what does that sound like? Sounds like an LGAT. <laughs> Sounds just like Choice Center. I feel I feel kind of bad, Todd, because uh, I was the one that went into that two plus two thread and drew a connection between Choice Center and and Livestream. But you should and and with John Hanley. I, I may I may have been a little off base because John Hanley Jr. Uh, there there is some association with with him in Choice Center, but th- based on you know secondhand information, I 
And there, I haven't really actually seen any really strong evidence that he's linked to Choice Center. He's certainly not mentioned on their website anywhere. Yeah, yeah. he's not mentioned on their website. There was some discussion uh, on some forums dating back to 2002 that he was one of the teachers there. So um, now I don't know if he owns any part of it or, or what his role there is or was. He may not even be there anymore. Uh, keep in mind, I don't even know how old he is. Uh, he's, he founded this in 1974, so he's obviously not a young guy. I think that was his father that founded Livestream. I think. Oh. Wait, I think it was John senior, Hanley, senior, oh, Hanley Senior. Oh, so John Hanley Junior is the one involved with uh, with uh, He's allegedly allegedly. No, involved I didn't know. I thought it was the same John Hanley. Okay, whatever. But he was also he Junior was also involved with Livestream, I believe. Okay, so or it's actually Livespring, but Livespring. Um, this is from Wikipedia. The Livespring training generally involved a three-level program, started with basic training, an advanced breakthrough course, and a three-month leadership program which taught students how to implement what they learned from the trainings in their lives. This, this is almost identical to Choice Center. I mean, a three-month leadership program, a breakthrough in the middle, uh, the, the basic training at the beginning, it's the same thing. So it's not a coincidence. So it's based, definitely, on Lifespring, which there was a lot of controversy about uh, back in the 80s and 90s. And um, Had you actually heard about this before uh, you know, the Negron and Esfandieri thread took off? Had you heard of Lifespring before? I might have. If I did, I didn't remember it. So I did really just learn in depth about it today. But um, anyway, it definitely has a lot of similarities, and there's no way that's a coincidence. There's no way that they both decided randomly to have a three-month leadership program as the third step. There's no well, way that people, they... The idea that people seem to have, um, it, it's wealth... It, it's thought that after the lawsuits came down and Lifespring closed up shop, that it split off into a bunch of different groups. And people are saying that some of them continued the same practices of Lifespring, and some of them kind of went more straight or uh, a little bit less scammy, culty sort of approach. Yeah. So this, this and is what Choice I, Center is one of them. Right. So this is what I believe about Choice Center. I, I don't believe it's a full cult. I don't believe that it's uh, something that uh, rules your life. I do think that uh, it's a very profitable business that uses the following model. That uh, they have their two basic courses, this uh, discovery and breakthrough. And they make a lot of money from those two courses. These are $2,600 each, you know, give or take. And that the way they get a lot of people constantly coming into these courses is through word of mouth. And they get this word of mouth by taking the more dedicated students from Discovery and Breakthrough and talking them into doing their duty to recruit friends and family. And then those friends and family go through, and the ones that continue on to Leadership Legacy, they are talked to into recruiting more friends and family. And it just goes on and on and on. And the truth is you're paying $2,600 to be, quote, educated by people with no qualifications. And and this is the way they do it. So I, I don't think they're looking to ruling one's lives or, or have followers. This is more of a, a business thing. This is where they're just uh, looking to separate suckers from their money and get those same suckers to recruit other suckers and basically have uh, free employees, free, uh, free marketing, free salesmen. And they do this by finding the ones who drink the Kool-Aid the most. And it looks like hockey, hockey guy's in the chat, and he's taking the exception to a lot of what you're saying. And one thing he keeps asking is, how do you know that? I'm not sure what exactly he's referring to. I, I'm referring know. to everything. I, I read a lot of things today. I read some things on uh, 2 Plus 2 from people who actually had, uh, had been there. Um, I've read on other forums people discussing it. Um, 
Uh, I read about uh, similar groups like LifeSpring. I, I put all this together to form an opinion. I don't know this to be totally fact. This is my belief. And um, I, I feel that this is what's going on. Because it seems that there's a general consensus that at the leadership legacy segment, and only in that segment, do they pressure people and ask people to recruit others. And is that a big, And that's a big part of it. Prior to that, in the first two courses, they don't. And, and this way, they're only asking the people who they think are going to say yes. And, and I know all about that. I know all about asking people who are only going to say yes. That's actually how I, how I always approach dating. I've had very few rejections from girls in my life. Because typically the only ones I ask out are the ones I think are like 95% sure to say yes. So uh, that, that's the way they're dealing with this, is that they only bring into the third course the ones who really seem into it. And then they start pressuring them to recruit everybody else. And, that, and that's how they keep going. And that's how they've had 15,000 people go through there. It's well, I, you see, the stuff that uh, the stuff that Negrani talked about and Binger talked about, the first, the initial course where you go for the, uh, the first three three weekends, sounds mostly harmless to me. I'm, I'd be more curious to know about what actually happens after that point, once you move on to leadership. And right, right. All that, the additional that, programs. That's how I feel, too. Like, like they, Binger talked about some people that uh, were helped by this, the first two courses who were in debt, like somewhere between 5 and 20K, and that through the help of these courses, these people got out of debt. Now, well, between 5 and 20K is not a huge debt. Um, it, it's still substantial. And uh, these people got out of it fairly quickly. And uh, so, the, you know, Binger was asked, well, what did they do for them? How, how did they get these people out of debt? Well, they just gave them advice. Stop spending so much money. Uh, be smarter with your finances. Blah, blah, blah. Like, just very basic, simple stuff. Stop throwing away your money. I was what? reading in Forbes today. It's a little bit off topic. But uh, if you have no debt and $10 in your pocket, you're wealthier than 25% of Americans. <laughs> That's probably true. But uh, this is um, the the point I'm making here is that uh, these people who uh, got out of debt just took very very simple advice that they could have gotten from anyone. Uh, so if if people go there and benefit from such advice, even though they should have been able to get it from from parents or or brothers or sisters or friends, fine. If they needed to hear it from these strangers who bill themselves as experts to get them to do the right thing, fine. If you need to listen to these strangers telling you to, to value your friendships more, or to value your family more, fine. I mean, I, I don't think you need to go and spend $2,600 to make that happen, but fine. Um, if these people feel it's worth it, fine. But the problem is the third part, where instead of just letting the results speak for themselves and letting people go and recommend this on their own, they really seem to be putting pressure on their most devoted followers to recruit people. And that's, that's the part that really bothers me, now, in addition to the fact that they really don't have any kind of uh, qualifications. Now, we also have, uh, also from uh, MyCon, the Personal Effectiveness Breakthrough Homework. This was from the Breakthrough segment. They actually give you homework, where you fill out this form. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's like a several-page thing. You can find it on the forum in that uh, thread, the Scam, Scandals, and Shadiness forum. But uh, I'm going to read you some of the questions they ask. Um... Briefly describe your marital history and present marital status. List the names and ages of any children that you have. List the names of people with whom you live and their relationship to you. Now, I mean, why? Why? already this is getting intrusive. It's one thing to say, how many kids do you have? How old are you? You've got to say their names. 
Here, here you have to say your whole marital history. Here you've got to say the names of the people that you live with, not just do you live with anyone. Number four, briefly describe your past and current religious views and practices. Number five, briefly describe any past or current military service, including any wars or conflicts you've been in. Six, briefly describe your present career, status, occupation, work, or job. Seven, list your educational background, including your highest degrees earned. Eight, list the social, career, religious, political, or community organizations to which you belong. Uh, Nine, what is the current status of your health? Identify any health problems in their current condition. List any drugs you're taking in, in or have taken in the last six months. State symptoms or health conditions treated by this specific medication. Are you pregnant? Are you currently or have you ever been addicted to alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, or any other narcotic? If yes, please describe your current history and past history with each. Describe your physical appearance. Number 13, describe three key events, preferably from your childhood, that have most influenced who you are, including your beliefs about yourself and others as well, and the world around you as a result of these events. Now keep in mind, this is not just for you to read for yourself. Others are going to see this. I mean, you, you really are opening up your whole life. The one question that really stands out that I don't see how it could possibly be relevant is uh, describe your personal appearance. What, what's uh, why, that is why weird. is that important? They're, they're, and they're going to see you right there, too. So <laughs> why do you have to describe it? Maybe it's a self-esteem thing. I don't know. Um, number 15, what is, your, what is a vision for your life that would inspire and motivate you to give yourself fully to see it realized? Describe that vision in detail. That sounds like a, a question where they're trying to find out what buttons to push. Where they can, you, you say what you always wanted to be or always wanted to do. And you say, well, but I'm afraid I can't. Like, so you write down, I always wanted to write a major Hollywood screenplay. Yeah, but I don't really have any formal training. And it's just so hard to get your, my, sc- my screenplay noticed. And, and it's just, you know, the chance of success is so low. It's just so much time. I, I don't think I'm ever going to do it, even though I have a lot of good ideas. And then, and then you sit there and they tell you how wonderful you are, how talented you are. How you need to make this happen. How you need to get these screenplays finished. You need to find the right people to submit them to. Here's here's our suggestions. You walk out going, "I'm going to finish that screenplay, and and you know, and I'm going to be the the next great writer in Hollywood." And you walk out feeling really good. I, I could picture that. Like they read that, and then they they use this to really draw you in, knowing what's important to you. You tell them what's important to you. Number sixteen. What commitments do you need to declare? What are ways of being you? And what are the ways of being you need to access and what actions do you need to take to manifest your vision, be, vision, be specific? Um, what do you want to have accomplished by the end of your life? Number 17. Who do you want to have been for your family, friends, and community? Describe in detail what accomplishments and experiences that this would include. So you see where this is going. Um, now, they cover themselves legally that you have a form you have to fill out if you, you're currently seeing a uh, mental health professional that they have to give permission. This is just to cover themselves legally. Now that they give a shit, they just uh, they don't want to have any expert, like a psychiatrist or a psychologist, claim that this place screwed you up. So they they they're not going to take you unless your therapist says it's okay. Thereby covering their asses, they put it on them. So um, it's crazy now. There's also the Better Business Bureau rating, which is is not as big of a deal as it would appear on the surface, but they have an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. Does that really mean anything? I honestly don't know. Yeah, I'm going to explain. So there's been a lot of uh, llama drama about this whole thing, but let me explain what's really going on. Um, 
it's not quite as bad as it seems, but it doesn't make Choice look good. Uh, basically, uh, the Better Business Bureau received three complaints about Choice. The exact details of these complaints was not provided, uh, but, but they were in the category of problems with product or service. The first complaint was in 2010, and it uh, was, quote, resolved with Better Business Bureau assistance. Now, presumably, Choice gave them uh, some or all of their money back just to avoid uh, getting a bad rating there. So I think what happened was um, people took these courses and said, this is all bullshit, I want my money back, and Choice said, forget it. So they complained to the Better Business Bureau, and in the first case in 2010, they actually interfered and said, you know, the Better Business Bureau said, hey, you know, resolve it with this guy, and, and something was resolved. I don't know if they gave him all his money back or some, but whatever it was, the guy was happy. However, a second complaint came in in 2011. Better Business Bureau again contacted Choice, but they refused to resolve it in any way. They, re- they refused to resolve it, just said, forget it. So that was a black mark. And then a third complaint came in in 2012. The Better Business Bureau again contacted Choice, but they just didn't respond. They just said, yeah, we're done with you guys. We have nothing to do with you guys anymore. So what I think happened is that uh, after settling with the first guy in 2010, they realized that they were vulnerable to these uh, complaints, that all someone has to do is complain to the Better Business Bureau and, and uh, extract their feedback out of them. So um, they just said, forget it. They denied the second one and then stopped responding after that. So why did they get an F rating? Well, the way the Better Business Bureau works is if you stop responding to them, they give you an F, which I don't think is fair. I, I think that an F should be reserved for the worst offenders. I think they should get a, a you know a low rating, but not an F. I think an F would be something that has like 50 complaints. Three complaints, no matter how valid they are, especially when one got solved, should not mean an F. But uh, nevertheless, that's what they have with the Better Business Bureau. I just don't think that's... Uh, I think that's overdoing it. I don't think it's as bad as it seems. But it is true that they won't respond to them, and I'm sure it is exactly what I said, that people just didn't like, uh, that they felt they were misled of what they're going to be getting there, wanted their money back and didn't get it. So, um, now, they also have some scary people looking, uh, working, scary-looking people working for the place. Um... The director of enrollment looks like he looks like he's in a trance. He actually looks like a zombie. You seen this guy? I, I mean, yeah. I look. I, the, the pictures are very funny, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's I, their physical appearances. Just... No, no, no. I'm just saying it looks weird. Like, like here you're dealing with something accused of being a cult, and the director of enrollment looks like he's in a trance. He looks like he's a zombie. It's really weird. Like the uh, the, the COO, the chief operating officer, she's just not, like not attractive, but you know, fine. Like that, that shouldn't have to do with whether it's valid or not. But he's definitely got uh, one of those weird grins where, I don't know, he looks like he's scared or somebody's got a gun to his head while he's smiling. And his eyes are going two different directions. It's really weird. It's like, it's like he, he looks like he's on an episode of uh, The Twilight Zone. It's a good life. <laughs> and it's real good that Timmy just burned the bar down. It's like, it's like they, they uh, hypnotized the guy. You will tell everyone that Choice Center Las Vegas will change their lives. I will tell everyone that Choice Citra Las Vegas will change their lives. Like, it, it's amazing. Uh, so, I guess in that way, it's probably not a cult, because uh, cults are typically run by charismatic leaders. This guy's definitely not charismatic. Uh, he, might, he might just not be photogenic. Maybe it's maybe, just a bad pick. Maybe. You know. they, should, they should get a better uh, photographer. Um, overall, my opinion of this whole thing is that... Uh, Danny Legranu 
he has a right to do what he wants. And I think the reason this whole thing... <coughs> I think the reason he's into this whole thing is because he has a big void in his life. And you say, how could Danny Negreanu have a big void to his life? He's a, a famous poker player. He's well-liked. Um, he has a lot of money. You know, what's wrong with this guy's life? He's unlucky in love in matters that's, of the heart. That's one of the things. Uh, I think Danny Negreanu is lonely. And you can be really rich and really famous and still be very lonely. Because uh, the problem is, when you do get rich and, and well-known... Um, even though a lot of people want to be around you, you always are suspicious, and usually correctly, that they only want to be around you because of who you are and what your name is, and not uh, not because of uh, who you are as a person. Not because they really like you, they just like uh, being associated with you. They like being able to say that you're their friend. So, for a guy like Negreanu, it, it's tough. You know, making real friendships, um, finding women that he knows really care about him and not his money or his fame. <clears throat> and... I- I've thought about this before, and if I was ever, you know, really famous or well known, and uh, this would, this, I can imagine this being a major problem. I would want to just move to a country where nobody's heard of me. Yeah, I've thought about it too. I've thought about it too. Like, like you know, if I got really famous, I, I would like, I'd be so concerned every time someone wants to get to know me that they're just doing it because they want to be associated with me, and not because they really like me. So, uh, in addition to that, Daniel Legrandu seems to have some family issues. Uh, his dad apparently died when he was a teenager, which has got to be tough. Um, his brother, I just learned this today, I guess he had issues with his brother. Uh, he talked about how this course allowed him to start talking to his brother again. But they they were obviously not close and uh, had a lot of issues. And his mom, who he was very close with, passed away in 2009. So, if you think about it, he's lost both parents... Not close with his brother. I don't know if there's any other siblings, but I'm assuming no. Um, has not had any romantic relationships that have really worked. He got married, but it was like a loveless marriage as far as I know. Lasted like two years and ended in divorce, even though he said they never had one single fight, which is kind of weird. It's well known that he was very, very close to his mother, who yeah. uh, who passed away a few years ago. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's very that's traumatic, too. You have one person in your family, maybe in your whole life, who you're really, really close to, really, really trust... You know the person really, really loves you. And then they're gone. And what do you have left? Sure, you have money. You have fame. You have the admiration of many. But you don't have any close relationships. And this makes someone like that susceptible to groups or people that will say the right things to make them feel good, to make them feel loved, to make them feel like... uh, people out there care to make it feel like life has meaning again. And that's why I feel that uh, Negreanu was uh, someone who was easily uh, drawn into this whole thing. That's why he goes and uh, recruits people. I don't think Negreanu gets any money for doing any of this. I think he's doing it because he believes in it. Uh, Now, here's a list of people, according to MyCon, that are also involved with Choice Center. And this is in, in addition to Negreanu, Nick Binger, Antonio and uh, Brian Ballsbaugh, who, by the way, uh, was the founder of Poker, Poker Royalty, which uh, really was a very large agency for poker players to be represented back during the poker boom. And um, it really surprised me to know that Ballsbaugh was uh, involved in this because th- this guy, you know, it's always said you don't con a con man. Now, I won't say that Ballsbaugh is a con man. If I do, I'm sure he'll call in just like Sean Deeb did. Uh, 
But uh, when you're an agent, you always have to do some degree of uh, upselling. And uh, you always have to do some degree of exaggeration to get your job done right. If you don't, you're not a good agent. That's just a fact. You To get the most money for your client, you've got to overemphasize their value. You've got to make your clients sound like they're a lot more wonderful than they really are. Your whole goal is just to get them the most money you can by saying whatever you need to say. And the agents that do that best are the most successful. This this goes for agents everywhere, not just uh, poker agents. So you think someone like that who's so streetwise, like uh, Brian Balsbaugh, and I've talked to him before on the phone, by the way. Um, you think someone like that would not be attracted to a course like this. But apparently he was. Maybe uh, since Black Friday, Ballsbaugh has uh, struggled financially and, and felt down in the dumps and needed something like this to pick him up. I don't know. But anyway, here's a list of people who were said to be involved with Choice Center in poker. Theo Tran. Now, he's known to have some bad gambling problems and uh, might have been susceptible to like magic bullet life change therapy like this claims to be. Sorrel Mizzy. Your favorite person there, uh, Thomas. I have no qualms with Sorrel Mizzy. <laughs> Stop. Um, he's currently Negranu's protege. And uh, as you know, he's not uh, hesitant about uh, blowing money since he spent uh, 3K on the uh, website that uh, was designed by Seriously Serious and uh, presented by the Snake in the Grass as his website. So, uh, you know, when I say blowing money, I mean he was happy to spend 3K on a personal website. So, um, you know, 3K to improve his life through life training uh, sounds reasonable, too. He could use some introspection, you yeah. know? Maybe Choice Center is what he needs to take a long, hard look at himself and realize, I'm a horrible person. I need to stop doing this. I need to get my life on track. Hmm. Gavin Smith. Now, Gavin Smith was a big, big customer of the previous poker life coach, who has kind of disappeared, Sam Chowan. Some of you may remember him. Uh, he was a, he wasn't, he didn't have a, uh, big organized operation like Choice Center. He was an individual life coach, but there were some poker players who swore by him. And one of them was Gavin Smith, who apparently panicked one day when he was making a final table at the World Series and could not reach Sam. He was in a panic from the stories I heard. So it's not a stretch to believe that Gavin Smith, uh, would also be into this, which is quite similar. Eric Lindgren. All of you know about his problems recently with uh, being broke and owing people a ton of money and uh, misrepresenting his financial situation to many when he borrowed from them or made bets with them and slow paying people and not paying people. So obviously he was an easy target with all his problems. Uh, This is a weird one. Nick Helmuth. Nick Helmuth? Not Phil Helmuth. Nick Helmuth. Who... Is Phil Helmuth's son? That reminds me. I was watching uh, the Poker Stars Big Game a couple of years ago, and Phil Helmuth was on it, and they were talking a lot about how he had this new lifestyle coach or something. And I never did find out who that was, but I always kind of suspected that it was Sam Chahan. Do you know anything about that? I don't. Uh, okay. But it very well could have been. He was the big lifestyle coach in those days. Right. And then that, that seems like kind of some charlatan kind of stuff, too. Like, it, it seems a little bit... Uh, it, it definitely did. I, not on the up and up. So, uh, Nick Helmuth was said to be involved. I don't have any information on that, and uh, maybe he'll call in and yell at me, too. Um, Jeff Gross, 
good friend of uh, Michael Phelps and was his roommate. So I, I have a feeling that um, Jeff Gross was recruited because can you imagine if somehow Michael Phelps got into this? How much that would do for Choice Center? That'd be huge. Yeah. So I have to imagine yeah. that uh, they were very into getting Jeff Gross, who's a, a poker player and a roommate slash good friend of uh, Michael Phelps. You see, I don't, I don't know if you could even get Michael Phelps to do that unless you just really brainwashed him because Michael Phelps commands, you know, a high fee for endorsing anything, and he's well aware of it. I'm sure he has an agent. He wouldn't. Uh, I, I would think it would be very hard to get someone like him to actually publicly endorse something like this just off for goodwill, you know. Well, maybe if he really believed in it, like I think Daniel really believes in this. So well, uh, Daniel hasn't. He hasn't been too public about this, except. Um, until recently, until the whole threat on two plus two got started. No, definitely he hasn't been public. You're right, but uh, yeah, he definitely he might have been you know talking to his friends about it, but he definitely wasn't making videos and and you know shouting from the rooftops. Hey, everyone, go to Choice Center. Yeah, but but he was on their website. He obviously was okay with that. So yeah. anyway, uh, Matthew Waxman, who's currently raving about Choice Center in his Twitter. If you want to look at some twitter.com slash Matthew underscore Waxman W A X M A N, and then uh, Adam Junglin. You can actually uh, read his blog. If you Google for his blog, he writes about this on February 21st and how he enjoyed the experience. So uh, a lot of poker players involved with this. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say this is... uh, I'm not saying Daniel's scamming anyone or doing anything bad. Um, Daniel is... You know, he he kind of kept to himself about this, uh, though he did let them uh, promote this using his name. But... um, you know, once this got brought out by Micon, Daniel's been raving about them, and he's obviously been uh, pushing his friends towards it, and he took the leadership course and missed the NBC Heads Up tournament. I, I just think that Daniel has been misled, and I think he's uh, leading people towards something that isn't necessarily good for them and is uh, um, a, a so-called university and a life coaching group of people who don't really have the qualifications. And I know that if I felt that my life needed some direction or I needed some assistance or advice, I would want to go to experts who were trained in this and not just people who uh, market themselves well and, and call themselves life coaches and, uh, and, and call themselves teachers or trainers. It's just, uh, I, I just don't think that's very wise and I don't think that's a good way, a good thing to be doing to direct people. And, you know, Danny Negreanu has a lot of influence. And and a lot of people might say, hey, wow, Dan Negreanu, Antonio Esfandieri, you know, these guys, I work for them. I should do it too. And I, I think when you're a person that's well-respected and uh, well-liked and a public figure, you have to be careful what you recommend because it becomes a reflection upon you. And um, even if you personally believe in it, you have to take a step back and say, wait, should I really be directing others towards this? Or maybe I should just you know, keep my mouth shut in case this is not all on the up and up. So I, I just think Matt Daniel shouldn't be doing this, even if he is into it. I think he should just be. Uh, uh, well, D- well, Daniel's defending himself because you know this is hurting his reputation when people are going on forums and saying, "Oh my God, he's in a cult." Before that, like I said, he he didn't mention very much about Choice Center, if anything, really. I think there was a little radio interview he did where he briefly talked about it. I I'm kind of reserving judgment a little bit. Because I, I feel that I need more information. From everything that I've heard, the initial phase of the program seems pretty harmless. I, I don't think any ha- real harm is being caused. It sounds kind of scammy, like they're not really offering much of real value in 
you know, they're making a lot of money. Um, I really, I really like to know what happens in the next phase. And from what I can tell, there isn't a whole lot of information out there about that. What's happening once you move on to leadership? What, what's going on, you know, once you become a recruiter? And does the rabbit hole go deeper? Does it get worse? Do they start doing weird stuff, or is it just more, you know, group counseling, new age nonsense? Well, let's see if we can find out. Uh, I'm going to attempt to call them. Now, they probably won't answer at this time, but you never know. They're dedicated people. I'm going to call the number that's on the uh, the breakthrough homework. So uh, I don't know who's going to answer or what will answer, but that's the way we do it on this show. We just we just shoot from the hip and hope we reach something. Some of our best moments have been spontaneous. I don't think they're going to answer, but I want to hear what, what does answer. Hello. It's a great day at Choice Center Worldwide <laughs> University in Las Vegas, where we coach you how to live your biggest life now. All staff are currently with clients, where you have reached us after business hours. Please leave your name, your number, and how we can best serve you. Hmm. I hung up, but uh, even that sounds kind of scammy. after business hours. I mean, even that sounds kind of scammy. Sounds like like overly nice. What did it say? Live your best life now or your biggest life now? I want to hear this again. <laughs> I have to hear this again. I'm sorry. It was uh, it was everything I expected and more. I mean, Todd, I'm pretty sure I only have one life to live. You're telling me you're maybe that's a- maybe that's the point. You only live once. You're telling so. me you're not a cat. Make it make it your biggest one. Make it count. Do I owe you twenty six hundred bucks now? Yes, please. Come on, Skype. I want to hear this damn call again. Don't crap out on me now, Skype. One day I'm gonna have a show that doesn't have any technical issues. One day. Well, I, I think the radio has gone fairly smoothly. No cutouts. Has I'm sure it won't anymore since you mentioned it, but sorry. Yes. What the hell? Let's try this again. Yep. See now, now I hang up on serious. This is serious. This is, this is the way it goes for me. This is the damn way it goes for me. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> you bastard. It, it was, this wasn't even my fault. Like the, the Skype buttons are so screwed up that it's hard to do this without hanging up on the person. Nurse Skype releases a new version, it always gets worse. There we go. There we go. So much effort just to hear an answering machine. I haven't been this into hearing a machine since the Iceman. Hello. It's a great day at Choice Center Worldwide University in Las Vegas. Where we coach you how to live your biggest life now. All staff are currently with clients. <laughs> biggest life now. After business hours, please leave your name, your number, and how we can best serve you. 
I think that's how it ends, how we can best serve you. It sounds like one of those troll answering machine messages because he says, hello, like, like uh, you know, like somebody just picked up. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm not here right now. I hope you're having a great day. You need to leave. It is your, a great day. You need it is a great day here at Choice Choice Center Las Vegas because uh, we just had 15 new suckers sign up today at twenty six hundred dollars a pop. It's a great day. It's, it's good that you called Choice Center. It's real good. I want to live my biggest life now. What is a biggest life? That's a good question. What is uh, a biggest life? A longer life, maybe. Maybe it means you should get fat. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing by dieting. Maybe it's like dream big. Live your biggest life now, and then you'll kind of it's it's gonna kinda of go downhill from there, but you'll peak at this time, at this moment. Maybe it's a white person's way of saying living large. Ah. Don't white people say living large? Live your biggest life now. Yeah, that by itself makes me hate this group. <laughs> I just hate that machine. I, I love it and I hate it at the same time. I don't know. You know, I was really concerned when I first heard about this whole thing. But so a lot of my concerns, admittedly, have kind of been alleviated uh, just based on what Negranu and Nick Binger have said. It it seems a lot, lot more benign than I originally thought. Yeah, well, I agree. I don't think it's a cult, but I, I do think that... Uh... It's definitely not a cult. I do think that it's a way to get uh, its most dedicated followers to do free work for them and recruit others uh, and make those others feel like it's their duty to recruit people in these leadership courses and, and also you know recruiting people for things that, as you said, don't really have much value. So uh, anyway, I think I've said enough about that. Let's let's move on here. And my uh, my throat is hurting. I'm not going to claim it isn't. Um, boy, there's a lot on that stupid agenda. Nine forty-nine. I have three things left to talk about. This is really frustrating. I understand that bad guy's been trying to call in and, and say awful things to me. I I haven't even seen his call. I saw one call when we had an when we had Sean Deeb on here, and I didn't want to let him, you know, come on and talk shit to Sean Deeb. Yeah, you know, Sean Deeb has been through enough today with uh, being accused of what I said. So. I didn't want to put him on, but I haven't seen any calls from him since. I also heard uh, we should be expecting uh, a call from Zap, the Fractions Giraffe. He's welcome to call in, too. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. My throat hurts. I'm going to try to finish anyway, though. Um, I want to talk about the separate but unequal concept. Now being done by Revolution, which is also known as Locke, the former Cake Network. Um, let me get to the thread about this. It's, uh, you'd expect Locke to do something like this because they just they, they always seem to do everything that's a bad idea and that screws the players. That's just their, uh, their MO. Um, Revolution Poker Network has just launched Fair Play Technology. Sounds good. They're making sure that all the play is fair. What is fair play technology? The new feature groups players into three categories, recreational, normal, and advanced, whereby each category of players represents roughly 33% of the active network players. By filtering these tables, fair play attempts to prevent recreational players from going head-to-head with more advanced players. 
the so-called normal player will be able to go up against either the recreational or advanced player. So basically what's happening here is that if you're an average player, you can play anyone. If you're a bad player, you can only play average players or other bad players. If you're a good player, you can only play either good players or okay players. But what they're separating are the good and the bad. They can't touch each other. This is a joke. Um, First of all, this is going to get abused big time. Because all you have to do to get around it is make multiple accounts. And, uh, you know, make some new account under your mom's name, your dad's name. Um, Go lose a little bit of money at micro limits, and then all of a sudden you're a recreational player. And you can go up against other recreational players and kill them. And now you don't Theoretically, have to if that were impossible to do, and this could be strictly enforced, would it be a good idea or a bad idea? Um, as far as a way to make money, it would be a great idea. As far as uh, whether it's ethical or not, eh, I have mixed feelings. Um, the reason I have mixed feelings is uh, I do feel it's unfair to the other good players that you're getting uh, an advantage over them by breaking the rules. Um, I feel, on the other hand, that it's not that bad because you should be able to play anyone. You shouldn't be restricted like this. This is a joke. And all I think it's going to do is reward the people who can get around it. And even if uh, you take that part away, even if you assume that everyone will follow the rules or that they'll catch anyone attempting not to, which is uh, not realistic, but even if you want to assume that, um, this totally goes against the whole concept of poker. Poker is something where anyone can play anyone. Everyone's aware when they play poker that some are more experienced than they are. But um, it's up to you with your own money who you want to sit with, what stakes you want to play. We're all adults with our own money. And we should be able to play who we want. And in addition, a lot of times players who are inexperienced actually want to play the good players because it gives them a rush to feel like they've beaten someone who's really good. Like, that's what Full Tilt used to advertise all the time. Play and chat with the pros. So you can say, hey, I beat, I beat Phil Ivey in a pot. Hey, I, I, I beat uh, Chris Ferguson in a pot. There's really not anyone on, on lock that you could say that about. Well, it was Michael Mizraki. Okay. But, uh... Yeah, you can't play him anymore if you're a... Uh, yeah, and, and, and so I think that just... Um, it, it's doing a disservice to both the fish and the good players... Because the fish don't want to be restricted, and the fish also don't want to be told they're bad. A lot of times, players want to feel that they're good. And they enjoy poker because they believe they're good players even when they're losing. And some poker well, how, players... How's this going to work? Are the, is it going to be brought to their attention that, sorry, you can't join this table because you suck? Or will they just kind of be, you know, subtly tables will be hidden from them, and they will never notice? Um... It says the normal category of players will have their own set of beginners tables so that the new players joining who are not characterized as recreational will be able to view beginners tables right from the start. So apparently there will be a beginners tables to sit at. Ooh, are they going to be labeled beginners tables? Like, that would kind of suck if it you does. log in and all you can see is the beginners tables and you're like, well, I don't want to play. Well, I'm not a beginner. I don't yeah. want to play on these. It's like it's like being told you suck. You're going to... You're gonna, it's like coming to a uh, community pool and being told you can only swim in the kiddie pool. Yeah, it's it's kind of you know it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, it's degrading, and and a lot of people actually enjoy poker who lose because they think they're good, and they say, "Well, I lost money, but I know I'm good, and I beat this other guy in this one pot where I totally owned him, and I check raised him, and he called, and 
you know, yes, I lost overall, but that's because I had bad luck. But I just remember these few hands where I totally crushed these guys. Well, most players do lose, don't they? So really, it should just be the other way around. You'll have a large pool of normal tables, and then you'll have just the advanced tables where all the winning players go. Yeah, and and what always bothered me about this whole thing is that poker is something where anybody can play if they have the money to buy in. And especially in tournaments, uh, you can theoretically win even if you are far below in skill than others. You can always win in the short term, which is unlike most other skilled games, both um, you know games which are physical and games that are not physical. Like, you know, if you drop me on an NBA floor, I, I would be the worst player on the floor by far. I, there's no way I could uh, have a great game and, and, and make a big difference on the team. I'd be a huge liability. And um, same thing if you put me up against a top chess master. There's no way I'd beat him. But poker players, a terrible player can beat a really good player thanks to the luck aspect. And that's why a lot of people enjoy poker because uh, you don't have to qualify. You don't have to be... You, you don't have to accomplish something to sit and play with the top players. You can go play with them and you can actually theoretically, theoretically beat them. Not just theoretically, you can actually beat them. There's no prejudice whatsoever. Tell me, what do you think about, um, say, the the health of the poker economy? Do you feel that making this sort of a change would help keep the fish around longer and sort of protect them from getting bled too quickly? Do you think it would make it more sustainable or or not? You mean this change? Do you think, you think it's going to help? Yeah, do you think this is good in that regard? It will help them make more money in that more money will cycle through and be paid in rake. But it's uh, th- that's all they're really doing it for. And if you remember, Lock Poker is probably having big-time financial problems because they can't seem to pay anybody. And um, anything that will generate more rake and also lower the number of people who need to cash out is to their benefit. Because the last thing Lock needs right now is more people winning against Fish and wanting to cash out. So that's another reason they're probably doing this. So uh, now party, I don't think is having the same problems, and they're doing something very similar. But um, this is just a bad idea, and uh, it's just counter to the whole concept of poker, where anyone can compete against anyone. So it's really bad. Uh, can you hear my voice already? That there's a problem. No, I, I hear you just really? fine. To me, it sounds like I I, I don't sound good. You sound like you're tired or something, but the quality is is just the same to me. It's just your, uh, I don't know, your your inflection, I guess. All right, so let me quickly get these last few things. My throat's killing me here. Um, Minted Poker, speaking of bad networks, Minted Poker is on the Everleaf network. Uh, They actually are so discouraged with their own network that they are actually recommending that their own players withdraw all their money from their site. Never seen that before. This was sent to a player on Minted Poker. Dear players, it is with great frustration that Minted Poker would like to publicly announce its embarrassment at the cash-out delays currently being experienced on the Everleaf Gaming Network. 
As most players will know, the Everleaf Gaming Network processes all money transactions from deposits to cash-outs across most partners of the network. That's basically saying the network handles all the money. The cash-out transactions have, for the past 12 months, become slower and slower to the point to where it's now taking up to six months to receive a cash-out transaction, no matter how, no matter what cash-out method is used. Minted Poker is extremely frustrated at this position, and can only apologize for the excessive delays which we know our players and affiliates are finding unacceptable. So they're actually apologizing that the network's not uh, cashing anyone out. We have tried to work with Everleaf's management for several months to push the cash-out delays along. In the past, they've always managed to improve the situation. However, currently, we feel it's unlikely a solution will be found. That's pretty bad. They're saying, you're screwed. Minted Poker took the decision to remove all deposit options around four weeks ago to prevent players from potentially losing more funds into Everleaf's network. The management, COO, and owner still remain unresponsive. So they're saying, we actually took the deposit option off our own site, so you guys can't lose more money. That's honorable of them, but unfortunately their hands are tied. They can't really do anything with Everleaf holding the money. As they have not responded with any accurate timescale for over four months, we feel it necessary in the best interest of players to advise them to cash out all funds for the player accounts, contact the LGA, which is the regulatory body, and file a complaint. So, um, then at the end they say, Minted Poker will in due course be leaving the network and will be requesting all player balances to be transferred. It is unclear if Everleaf will cooperate with our request. To me it's pretty clear. The answer is no. So, um, Mint has given up. They're saying, we've tried, but uh, Everleaf won't pay anyone. And they hold the money, so what can we do? Sorry, guys. So, you know, I give props to Minted for standing up to them at this point, finally. But, uh, truthfully, they should have done this a long time ago. And uh, if you have money stuck on Everleaf, you're in trouble. I think they're broke. I'd be shocked if they're not. Thought I have a bit of breaking news. Can I get uh, some update music? Oh, of course. Give me a time to grab a swig of water here. Mason Malamuth is well aware of your dupe account on 2 plus 2, and it does not appear that he's taken any action. I think you're in the clear. Wow. This could be a banner day. That. uh yeah. Welcome back, buddy. Well, I, I don't know. Like, so can I come back as Dan Druff now, or do I got to be this this fake account now for the rest of the time? Well, I don't know. I, I <laughs> it seems that your fake account, uh, you know, is, is in the clear. It hasn't been banned. It would have been immediately, since he clearly knows about it. But uh, I don't know. If you want to, if you want to come back as Dan Druff, I would suggest having a chat with him about it. Now, now how do you know that uh, that, that Mason knows? Uh, because I posted in the thread, being a bit critical of Rich Muni for doing that. And uh, Mason responded to my post. Huh. And there's some criticism in there of you talking about yourself under <laughs> the dupe account. Yeah, well, what was I supposed to do? If I, if I, if I, the problem is if I wanted to refer to anything I did or said, I mean, what am I supposed to say? Uh, um, you know, this is me, but forget I just said that, Mason. <laughs> I, I don't remember everything I said under the account, but uh, I, I know I wasn't giving myself like tons of praise there or anything, in case anyone's thinking that. I'm, I'm sure anyone will find anything I said about myself and laugh at it. You weren't shilling on there? I, I don't believe I was. In fact, I, I do remember 
being sure not to overdo or even do very much of any kind of uh, poker fraud alert promotions because I didn't want to you know make it that obvious. I, I, yeah. If it came out, I didn't want it to be seen that I was there for that purpose. That's, that's not why I was there. And as you'll see, mo- the, the vast majority of poker fraud alert links that are posted there are by people that have nothing to do with this site. Or people that you know wouldn't have a reason to try to promote the site. Anyway, well, Todd, uh, I think uh, I think time heals all wounds. Maybe, maybe. Well, if he lets me back on, that's great. You know, it's. Uh, um, I, I would like to participate there, and um, you know, because it's the biggest poker forum, and uh, a lot goes on over there, and uh, you know, I I don't like having to exist on a false pretense that I'm someone else. So, you know, so much that I didn't want to lie about who I was. That's why I wasn't. I wonder who Jay Searles is on 2 Plus 2. <laughs> I wonder if he's banned there, too. All right. Um, last topic before I, I go and, and try to uh, make my throat recover. Um, the American Gaming Association, which is a, a group of a lot of major casino operators and. Uh, online software providers for major casino operators, uh, they are trying to block PokerStars' purchase of a New Jersey casino. This particular casino is the Atlantic Club in Atlantic City. It's a struggling casino. PokerStars are not so interested in the Atlantic Club's uh, potential to make money, but more in their license to operate gaming in that state, thereby giving PokerStars perhaps a way to run legal online poker within the state of New Jersey and maybe even in other states through this cooperation thing that was proposed last week by the state of Nevada. So uh, they're hoping to get a license uh, in New Jersey. Now that's old news, but what's new news is that the American Gaming Association is trying to block this for the very reason that they just don't want to have to compete with PokerStars. PokerStars is obviously a very capable online poker company. And they've been at it for 10 years or so. A little bit more, actually. A lot of experience. And uh, they'll obviously be able to do things a hell of a lot better than any of the new poker rooms that will come up if and when online poker is legalized in the United States or in certain states. So, basically, these uh, these companies, these American companies, don't want to compete. They don't want to put up their own fail site and have to go up against poker stars, which is anything but a fail site. So, uh, they have objected, and uh, let me uh, find the thread about that, and I'll read what they wrote. And clearly, they don't want to compete with PokerStars, but what, uh, what pretense are they trying to block this under? That can't be the reason they're stating for, don't let PokerStars buy this casino, could it? Well, no, that, I'll, I'll tell you what the pretense is. Here's their statement. AGA today opposes... This is a brief they filed, by the way, with the uh, New Jersey Casino Control Commission. AGA today opposes the PokerStars petition because the integrity of the gaming industry would be gravely compromised by any regulatory approvals of PokerStars, a business built on deceit, chicanery, and systematic flouting of U.S. law. Now, they're referring to the fact that PokerStars offered online poker for four and a half years after the UIGEA was passed. So they're saying they broke U.S. law for four and a half years. They shouldn't get a license. Any action allowing poker stars to be licensed would send a damaging message to the world of gaming and to the world beyond gaming that companies that engage in chronic law-breaking 
are welcome in the licensed gaming business. That message would dramatically undermine public confidence in gaming regulation and could cripple the industry's public image for many years. Well, I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I, I don't think this would cripple the industry's public image. I don't think the public gives a crap. But on the other hand, um, they do have a point. Poker stars did not play by the rules. They continued to offer online poker for real money in the U.S. for four and a half years after the UIGEA was passed. And um, it, it really isn't that fair that they should get uh, a license then to compete legally. Once it gets legalized in the U.S., all this says is uh, your reward for operating illegally is to get a head start on everyone. But but you, sur- you, you suffer no consequence. So um, I, I understand their point. Um, how do I feel about poker stars getting a license? Uh, kind of mixed feelings about poker stars getting a license. I'm not really for it or against it. I, I have different feelings both ways. But I, I definitely see AGA's point on this. That they feel... That I, they're, they're obviously overstating the what would happen. It wouldn't dramatically undermine public confidence and gaming regulation. That's a joke. But uh, they, they are saying you can't just keep breaking the gaming rules. You can't play, break U.S. law for four and a half years and then uh, suddenly become legalized when, when after you get busted. It shouldn't work that way. Can't say I can argue with that. So, um, you know, and... and China Maniac said in chat, they already paid for offering online gaming, though. That's over. He's referring to the $750 million settlement they made where they essentially bought bought Full Tilt and uh, assumed Full Tilt's debts. And that money did not go to Full Tilt's owners. It went to the U.S. government, partially to be redistributed back to the uh, U.S. players, but mostly to be kept by the uh, the government. So it is true that PokerStars did pay a large fine, but it is true that overall, even with that large fine, poker stars made a shitload of money existing illegally, and they now have a huge head start on having so much experience in the gaming industry you know, for online poker that uh, all the U.S. companies don't have. So I can understand the AGA's complaint. Anyway, um, that's interesting. We'll have to see what happens. This is just the suggestion from the AGA. Uh, they don't have any power to force the New Jersey Casino Control Commission to do anything in particular, but uh, that's what they are suggesting. So, uh, seriously, serious, do you have anything else? Uh, on this particular subject? On any subject. On any subject. Well, uh, shout out to Vowles, who gave me some assistance in Photoshop uh, recently, which was very much appreciated. You know what? I actually want a Photoshop for this show. I'm going to put this out there for anybody who's good at Photoshop. I want a picture I can use for this show on the radio page. And the picture I want, it doesn't have to include the Poker Fraud Alert logo, but it can if you want to, but it's not a big deal. I could use a new, I could use some retouching. Yeah, I could. Or just a new one altogether. It was made by my girlfriend, actually, but she she isn't that attached to it. She just made oh, it quickly sorry. for me. No, she made it quickly for me. She's not she's not a graphic artist. She just uh, did it. But uh, it has sta- it has stood for a year. Anyway, um, but I would like a new, or not actually not a new, but I, I want a logo for P- Poker Fraud Alert Radio. 
And I want something with a radio theme, and what I really want is a representation of Mount Charleston and an old phone sitting on top ringing with an antenna on top of the mountain broadcasting. If someone could make that, I would really appreciate it. And a, a moving GIF is fine, too. In fact, that would be cool. GIF. A GIF. Yes. Well, that's what you need if it moves. I, I don't know of any other format that does a moving picture, do you? Actually, you can have uh, animated JPEGs. Really? I've never seen yeah. one. That's a thing, for sure. I've never seen one. You could, uh, you could have a SWF. Well, that's not the same thing. Yeah, that's kind of lame. But, you know, you could. You could have it in Flash. I've never seen an animated JPEG, ever. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely an option I see uh, for exporting um, in, in certain programs. Then again, I know that like sometimes I've seen things that I thought were animated JPEGs, but it turns out you can just name any uh, when it's being hosted on a website. You can just name something .jpeg. Yeah. But all that all that really matters are what like the headers in the uh, you know in the HTML say. If it identifies it as a GIF, then it's a GIF. I don't know. Pretty sure animated JPEGs are a thing though. Yeah, and. Uh... I see a uh, an animated JPEG. Actually, this, this is interesting. It's an animated JPEG I just found with sound. It's really weird. It's actually a JPEG with sound and animation. It's on the Quad Jack site. <laughs> Never gets old. Okay. Um, my throat has taken all the abuse it can take. It means we're done. This is a lot longer of a show than I expected. Close to three hours. Oh, I'm working on another uh, cartoon dealie. Oh, yeah. Fairly soon. I enjoyed your first one. And uh, Thank you. if you really miss me that much, you can just listen to this show again in the archives and pretend it's new. So, um, I always appreciate our listeners. I always appreciate everybody both live and online. And thank you for sticking by this site for a year. And I'm glad we're still going strong. Hope to be here for the two, three, four, five, etc. year anniversary. In fact, I'd like to be here for the 100-year anniversary because that would mean that uh, I made it to 140 years old. And that would, that awesome. would be nice. I, I'd be happy to do that. So, Shout out to 408 Mike, pay Vegas. That's right. 408 Mike, please pay Vegas. That's all I'll say about that right now. And Jacep, if you're listening, there is a police investigation. I'm not making this up. You know I don't lie about these things. So watch out. The bad boys are going to come for you. Anyway, um, a lot of controversy tonight. Sean D. with the unexpected angry phone call. He's such a boss. Rich Muni responding and writing to my accusations. A lot of talk about cults and non-cults. And a poker site telling you to withdraw all your money from it. A lot of weird stuff tonight. A lot of weird stuff always in poker, but... We're always here covering it. Thank you, Seriously Serious, again for joining me. You're a good co-host. Very well. I enjoy having you here. And the, user, the users and listeners do too. Thank you for putting up with my voice, everybody. Good night. <laughs>